cheers to episode 38. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. oh nice little clank. Water. Water. Water as well. Oh, I wonder why. Water. Today, tonight <laughs> of recording is Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. I forgot you want me to do the year thing. Thank you. Even though in the app it shows you what year it's from. Doesn't matter. Semantics. Sounds better. 2066. It's we're going to be like, wow. 7.18 p.m. And college football is 25% done. Yeah. And the Lions suck. And the Lions are out of playoff contention already. The Lions are eliminated. We thought they were, but they gave us a fun half last night. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously, like we said, bad timing, I guess, to announce that we're going to start recording on Sundays because the Lions played Monday night week two. Henceforth, therefore, we record after that Tuesday. So this will probably be a more of a one-off than than the standard for football season. Um, Also. We had acquired ourselves quite a weekend. Henceforth, therefore, Sunday was travel day. Wasn't really going to be feasible to record. Um, so let's just not beat around the bush and let's just get into that. How was everyone's weekend in Miami, Florida? Miami Dade County, the 305. Love the weather. It's a 305. Evan. Weather? I you want me to go first. I, I just love the weather. Yeah, you got there first, so you lead off first. Yeah, well, I did get there. What I think first out of us three, not the first out of the big group. Right. Um, shout out Drew who landed there at ten. Oh, he was saving our spot at the bar when we showed up around one. Just a great overall weekend. Thursday was you know kind of relaxed. You know, get to the house, enjoy everybody's company, wait for you guys to arrive super late, and then Friday it just took off to the extreme. And I think he got progressively. <laughs> What word do I want to use? Mm. Like, mm. Um, liability, um, aggressively dangerous, da- dangerous, dangerous is the word. Way? I was like trying to give a word that was anti, anti safety, reckless. I think reckless is a good word. It, it got reckless, more reckless it, as we went on. Yeah, it did. Because oh my gosh, Saturday was. Mm. Uh, Friday was super fun. Went to a club. I did not fit in. I felt awkward every second I was in there. Yep. Um, but it was fun. I can say I went to a Miami club. Yep. You went to a nightclub. So, Story was yeah. what it was called. Right? Probably be one of the last times until, you know, I'm actually older where I look at the bill when you buy two drinks and you're know, like, goo, that's a hundred dollars. See you later. But that was fun. Friday day. Friday day was the uh the beach bar. Friday day, I had a jumbo. Oh. I had a jumbo margarita that knocked me into my seat. Those things, uh, <laughs> they put us down, you know, pretty bad. No, I think it put me up. I was, I was feeling it. Drew showed me a video. I don't remember taking it. So, you know, those huge fish bowls, whatever you want to call them. The fact that we ordered two, we each all of us were like, yeah, two for one. We can drink these, and they came out. These were like ninety ounces. It's like a two liter. Yeah, I'll, I'll separate myself from the group there for a second. That was one of the smarter things I did. I, they didn't charge us for them. Don't worry. Right. I was actually curious about that, what they did do. But I looked to the person sitting next to me on my left and I was like, hey, there's, I don't know how big these are. There was no photos, but I know they're going to be massive. Just like it said, like world's like largest, basically. They, one of those claims. So I was like, why don't I just get one and then you take the free one? 
And I think that was the move looking back on it. Yeah, I mean, there was like a two liter of booze. It was wild. Hey, Wilkins finished two of them, so shout out him. Well, not well frozen. his first one wasn't frozen. It's cheating. Oh, asterisk. Also, asterisk. Uh, trust tree here. Not that, you know, hundreds of people listen to this and, and DK probably will. But I made a, a little proposition with them that revolved around him finishing two of these frozen things. And he wasn't going to anyway, so I don't feel that bad about it. But I never told him. When he went to the bathroom once, I poured like a quarter of mine into his. So like he got back and it was like back full. And again, the first one knocked us all back in our seats. He didn't really put two and two together. Like he looked at it when he sat down from the bathroom. Looked at him, he was like, yeah, Grant, there's just like no way I finished this. And I was like, yeah, Drew, I told you. Again, yeah, he, he I had to mine to go it. and I drank mine at the beach. Oh yeah, you did. That was a great move. I think I drank some of yours at the beach. Yeah, and then we went to another bar. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I like espresso martinis. Never had one. I took a big drink of Cody's and it was delicious. It tasted like what I ordered from Starbucks, but with alcohol in it. And I can get behind that. Yeah. Club and then Saturday. It's actually miraculous we made it to the club. Was Friday our game of football in the pool that was more intense than the yeah, game we went down there to see? after the bars. <laughs> that game was sweet. I was just thinking about that. Like, what did we do like Friday afternoon before we actually went to the club? Oh, you know what? We all acted like we were 17, uh, you know, 16 and just played pool. We were in the pool playing football. Yeah. And I heard a disc in my back because I hit it against uh, the side of the pool. I was sore my f- the next day. My feet are also f- blistered. Yeah. My feet are destroyed. My toes have like blisters on them. Not as bad as you, Alex, but yeah. Back to DK. He slipped and fell outside of the pool on a, get off route by me and he has a he had a huge bruise like right here on his elbow yeah reckless it's honestly surprised dangerous no one, like smashed their head and got seriously injured. oh there was massive wildlife iguana lizard creatures in the backyard no thanks the, no the friday thanks. as well giant you know we're all from the midwest and i don't think any of us have really seen one up close and personal unless we're at a zoo and then now that you get up close and personal with them they're a little creepy Oh, they're oh, yeah. pretty. They're like the size of a toddler. They got those like like turkeys. They have those skin beards, and whenever a creature oh. has a skin beard, it just really gives me the BBG. That was an absolute no for me. <laughs> All right, I, I think C Dub said it best. You know, he's like, I feel like I'm in the movie Holes right now, and that's exactly what it was. When that scene where all those like little yellow lizards uh, are surrounding them and they're poisonous, and you walk outside and there's just like two of them just sitting right there, like waiting for you. Okay. And I guess I, I didn't see it, but I heard they can climb trees. I watched it. Terrifying. Which is which is. Unfa- it's an unfair Super advantage scary. that they can do that from Super above. Scary. One dropped in from up top. Oh my god! Also, I was just sipping my coffee, and someone's like, "Dude, there's lizards out here." I was expecting to come see like some geckos. Yeah, like the. And the I commercial. walk out and I see like a human-sized iguana, and I almost pooped my pants. So. <laughs> and then there was two of them. So, and no, I was just thinking no that thanks. the night before. Briefly, Thursday, the power was out at the place for a while, which was was funny in itself to watch how everyone um, battled through that. But one of our friends, uh, Cheese, was running around outside in the dark. And then I was thinking about that Friday when I remember that those iguanas lived out there. I'm like, what if one of them just snatched him when he was outside last night? Like That, that would be the end. You would never hear from him again if that happened. I can say they were definitely afraid of people because I charged one and just ran away. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Yeah, but I just didn't like him. I needed him to leave. Um, just too big. Evan, you said Saturday. Well, game. We'll get to game stuff when we recap the actual game. Saturday night. 
I would say, well, I would also just say Saturday after the game was pure, like a classic zombie mode where everyone was just needed to recover for several hours and the heat takes a toll on your body and getting that, that uh, food delivery is just like all you can wait for and hope for. I mean, it was an early get up for Saturday morning. We believe it was at noon. So it'd be Friday night, you party into the night and get up and do it again. Wake up at eight. No, you just like figure it out. I think I realized how much time we were kind of just all zombies when Evan, you kept saying, Oh, I just want, I want, I really want to see the, um, like Penn state run out. I got to make sure I'm out here for that. And I'm thinking in my head when you said, I was like, this, that's like an hour and a half from now. And then it was in 15 minutes. I was like, Oh my gosh, the night game is starting. Like, what have we been doing for the last two and a half hours? Just so I got everyone ordering different food to the, the got place. An important question for you guys. Yeah. So have you ever just, you know, been making like, the perfect sandwich and then you go into the drawer and then you just have a moldy piece of Colby Jack cheese. That's how I describe Saturday night after a certain point, you know, just <laughs> everything was going really well. And then just one thing spoiled a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Since I've reflected on that. Spoiling it was, is a kind word. I'm trying to be reasonably oh. nice. Well, hand up. I don't think, well, it did get better for me quite fast. Um, some of us didn't get to, you know, continue to enjoy the night and had to clean up the spoiled cheese. Here's where I'll, I'll land on it. I don't think the I'll hand up the bar that I proposed was a swing and a miss. It was I had been to Miami in like July. That bar was super, super fun or more fun than it was. I mean, there was the average age of people at said bar was like 45. So we just looked like idiots. we didn't fit in. But except well, some. So I will say I didn't really think the night was gonna go anywhere differently than I guess where it, like Evan said, ended up. But so in a weird way, while it may have stunk for some people more than others, just, just me, really, yeah, and uh, and CP, yeah. But uh, it to me, looking back, it was memorable. Like it's a night that I will always remember. It's like oh, remember that one time. Yeah. So I guess in a weird way, it's not the worst night that could happen. But yes. The, the sandwich making process got a little messy on Saturday night as the metaphor you used. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you take it too big of a bite and you turn out that cheese is mold halfway through. And then, then, and bite just then you just throw up endlessly, you know? But then there's some iconic moments, you know, like you look back on those videos and pictures and be like, yeah, that was, that was something. Yeah. Um, I think conclusions though, to wrap it up, like, I, I've been been to Miami twice this summer. I'm don't really. I'm not fiending to go back. It's it's an interesting town. It's a different way of life. It's just more loose. I think the weather and the, all the tequila they drink get get to you, which is kind of fun. I will say, I'm definitely under the weather. I definitely have the suds uh, getting back from Miami, so that was tough. I think I felt like kind of the worst I had felt in four or five years, like since college getting sick um, on Monday and bleeding into the day. So battling through. <laughs> Yeah, be Sunday crazy. Did suck. Be crazy if there was a, it'd be crazy if there was a big disease going around. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard of any, but I'm gonna battle through. Put my head down. I went. I basically bought out CVS today, so just doing the home remedies to get there. You'll be fine. Oh yeah, just a cold. I'm gonna be fine by tomorrow. <laughs> I forgot how great Nyquil feels. Oh my goodness, the, you get the best sleep of all time. Yeah, it's nice. So cozy. Hard to wake up though. Yeah. Side note, I'll never forget one of our high school friends. Um, he told me that his mom accidentally gave him 
NyQuil before a day of school. And I'm just <laughs> picturing how hard it would have been to sit through I remember he eight hours of classes. Like he was like <laughs> asleep in every class. Like it's almost like there's no better excuse for why you fell asleep than NyQuil because anyone that's ever taken a full dose will understand like you simply cannot keep your eyes open. You can't. Like I was trying to scroll through my phone in bed and it was so bad. My thumb was like slipping and I was just liking random tweets that I didn't mean to like because like I could not control my body before I fell asleep. And I was like, I need to put this down. That is pretty funny, man. Okay. <laughs> is that your cue for me to wrap up Miami talk? No. I thought it was a good time. I'd go back. I love the weather. I love hot, dry weather. I it's not I definitely would okay. go back well, I'm gonna stop you right the there. week of March 7th through the 11th for sure. Oh, like spring break. Yep. People are trying to plan that. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be crazy um, if we were back at the Rock Shout bar. out Brian in the house. Um, that was and then the trip you. home. It, it, there's not, I don't think there's nothing worse than having to travel back home. Like I, the airplane wasn't was all right. It was fine there. But then it was pretty choppy from the airport home. Oh, I was. I have a briefly funny story. Our about flight was choppy. My way home. Um. I had a guy. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't mind all the. You didn't mind bodying everyone around you. No turbulence. I sat next to people I knew, so I didn't. That's clutch. Didn't care. I did not. Shout out Evan for um, saving the trip in a way by going through a window to get us back in the Airbnb. That was huge. <laughs> I was actually thinking on the flight home, like how disastrous the trip would have gone if that window wasn't left open because he did, simply did not have a key for us to get in. So I don't well, know what we go from there. You have to break something. Yeah, um, just get a hammer. Flight home for me was something. Alex, you get a kick out of this. You, I always feel like you love like hearing just obnoxious behavior on flights. Just people, just those people that just have no awareness. So I was exit row on the right side of the plane. If you're facing like the uh, where the pilot sits, I'm window, which isn't really a window because the door is right there. It's awkward to begin with because that's where like the um, flight attendants have to sit when they take off and land. So they like just face you. It's just a weird feeling. Like I don't want to make eye contact with them, so I just kind of look down like this. The guy to my left. I don't think he'll ever listen to this. I don't hope he does. I'm about to roast him. He was 380 pounds. Had to have been. Um, Big boy. Parts of him were just spilling over the armrests. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Um, and I feel bad for him because I think he had to be getting flights delayed throughout the day. <laughs> um, because he was like, oh, I just really want to get home. And I can relate to that. But I tell you, like this guy started falling asleep like instantaneously on the flight um, before we even took off. It was actually to the point where he and he was snoring and the the flight attendant, she's just trying to, you know, do her job and go through the demonstration before we take off. Like, you know, this is where your life tickets are, blah, blah, blah. And he's just snoring right through it. And she just, she had to crack a joke. It was so awkward. She's like, oh, must be pretty boring up here. <laughs> but he did this little move where like, so I'm, I'm kind of guilty too. Like I noticed on the way there, I was falling asleep and I kind of like spaz up when I wake up from a sleep like that. So he was doing that continuously, but I've never seen someone who would like fell back asleep faster after spazzing. Like usually after I spaz, I'm awake for like 15 minutes and then I doze off. This guy would be like, like this and then like, and then asleep right again. And thankfully for like at least an hour of the flight, I fell asleep and I, I was fine. It was all good. But then for the last half hour in, I kid you not, he started going left and right when he would fall asleep. So he would, his eyes would close. And then he just drifts right and bounce right before he hit. he didn't hit me yet. But then it was it was like a little uh, pendulum. It gets closer and closer to me. And at least three times he just drilled my shoulder. And he'd be like, Phew! and he'd look like this at me. 
and then as as gravity goes he ended up going the other way and the guy that was sitting to the left of him by the end of the flight had his hoodie up like this and would just lean as far as he could into the aisle because this guy's just slamming against him falling asleep what a nightmare and then guys he stands up and i just get the whole butt crack in my face oh it's just right there love that and i kid you not i've never seen this the seat cushion of the plane came off it detached from when he stood up like i saw the inside of what an airplane seat looks like because the the whole cushion came off and he just bends over again cracking the face and he just picks it up and he just half haphazardly shoves it back on and then he stands up he was the most obvious stand right up when the plane um lands guy of all time right in the middle of the aisle taking up all the space so that was the flight home oh man yeah poor guy but not really poor poor you yeah and the guy next to me that's 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 top so we'll get we'll hop into uh the actual game the stadium the tailgating scene when we get to the recap of the game um to kind of bridge the gap before we get there we have some nfl football to get to first and shout out to the lions they survived um a second week of leading off the show we'll see how we'll see how that progresses as the season goes on 35 17 was your final score i guess i just realized i wrote the score wrong in the doc i put the packers score next to the lions but 35 17 packers win a little bit different than last week because I was able to watch this full one since it was Monday night. So I'll be able to hop in here. Uh, for the first time in my life, I took notes during a game. It was kind of a weird feeling. I don't know why. I just feel like I, I, I think of things and I always forget them after the game. So I wanted to write them down. I'm curious to see what you guys did. Did you guys, what broadcast did you guys watch for this game? I didn't have control of the remote. So I had the regular ESPN broadcast and then I had a quarter of. 97.1 radio broadcast, and then I had a quarter of Peyton and Eli. So I, I saw it all. You really did? I watched um, probably majority of like the main broadcast, but I was flipping back and forth in between like only when the lines were on offense. When the Packers were on offense, I didn't really have, flip over to Peyton and Eli. I was never- Eli just, I don't know. He's not, he, Eli's definitely not ready for like TV yet. Like, and I think Peyton's like a genius when it comes to anything football. So uh, I enjoyed listening to him. Yeah. Eli's a little awkward. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's still getting the feel for it. Um, I'd rather have him in the booth. I decided to, and nothing against him. I, I didn't mind Levy when I was he was on college football games, but I just, he he's not high on my announcer ratings list. list. That's all. That's all I'll say. I'm just trying to, you know, not choose violence today. Maybe I'll save it for later, but like, Something about it's just is like it can't help it. It's like something about his voice. His his like fake announcer voice. I just really don't like. Um, and I thought, and I also thought more more was this point. I was like, I may never get to hear like Eli and Peyton break down a Lions game in full ever again in my life because we don't play on prime time and they're only gonna do this for so many times. So I was like, I'm just gonna watch this full thing. So I watched the whole broadcast on there. It was pretty nice. It was it was a little weird without the game sounds. You really had to like lock in for like when flags were thrown and pay attention but like the replays were good and everything was normal i learned some things i feel like i was a little bit smarter about football i think the way for this game we can just break it down kind of chronologically because it also works out like last week we did the good things and the bad things and in this game it works out where chronologically all the good happened early and all the bad happened really towards the end so it'll kind of flow that way i mean naturally the first drive was amazing really like that was like whoa we came out we scored Goff and Cephas had a little connection going on there. And by the grace of 
the football Lambo gods, we somehow did not get called for like a push off on the, the deep ball. Like I, I personally don't think it was that much of a push off, but like that's a call in Green Bay that I expect to go against us and they let it fly. Maybe the refs were still asleep. Um, but the fascinating thing that I wrote down about that drive when I was watching is like this was golf extending plays going through like multiple, multiple reads, which is not something I really pictured for him in this offense. And I guess that is credit to the offensive line, who I think overall had a solid game, um, giving him that time. And I wrote down most notably that on that touchdown play, um, Goff looked to his right first, because that was his first read. Meanwhile, Cephas was wide open the whole play that showed on the replay. And credit to Sewell. If Sewell doesn't like swallow Preston Smith on that pressure, I don't think Goff is able to turn around and get the ball off. Like I, I saw someone put it on Twitter, so credit to them for pointing it out because I didn't notice it in the moment. But Sewell did a great job on Preston Smith, who's a solid edge rusher, to like be able to give Goff the time to actually still turn around and then get off said throw because that was another extended play type thing. So that was good. I mean, I, were you guys feeling pretty good about how we looked after the first drive? Yeah, Goff looked comfortable. He had a lot of time. Uh, Sewell was playing well. Receivers were open. I guess because there was so much time. It's hard to cover people that long. I also think the Packers' defense is pretty bad. Not to get negative, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think the Lions were going to win after the first drive, if that's what you're asking me. But they looked good. It's good to see that what happened in San Francisco or at home against San Francisco at the end of the game carried over into this game. However, they did not sustain that, obviously. I just thought too, while you're talking, we can work in, you know what? It's our show. We make the rules. You can work in negative stuff too. Who cares? Yeah. Thank you. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I have I a lot of negative things to say. Evan, you have um, to say. First drive, it's good to see that the scripted plays or the plays that you plan out to work before you make any adjustments actually worked. Um, big time throw by Goff. I think on that third down, I think it's an understatement. Um, it's one on one. You have to make that throw. And I, he did. Credit to Cephas. Um, on that throw, and then we ran the ball all right on that drive. I'm mean, a little more throwing than running, but it was fairly balanced on the first drive. I forgot to say this <clears throat> before we get further, because obviously Monday Night Football, I do enjoy as much as I like. I like Sunday Night Football production better because I like the announcers and everything. But I do enjoy the Monday Night Football countdown. And I just wrote down before the game started. Randy Moss is so cool, and I think he's probably like top three in sports media that I like listening to. Like the energy he brings, he they were doing this sweet thing where they interviewed Devonte Adams on the field, and Steve Young was throwing the football to Devonte, who would then hand it off to Randy, and he'd throw it. It was like just I don't know, a sweet interview. And Randy Moss, his energy, ugh, got one of the coolest guys probably ever. Yeah, it's just surprising that Monday Night Football can't get better announcers in the booth. Yeah, well, because it's because of the quality of the games. Nobody wants to make your career die on the pill that is Monday Night Football. Yeah, it yeah. has been. Yeah. It's because I didn't get flex scheduling. Um, I guess this is a mini segment within this is things that Grant learned about football or picked up on picked up on that I probably normally wouldn't from Peyton and Eli. They were just hammering the point home, mainly Peyton, the first couple of drives that the Lions were just sitting in the deepest cover two that you could possibly play against Aaron Rodgers just over and over again. He's like, Green Bay just has to – you have to run the football against this defense. It's the only thing you can really do, which – at first, it made it seem like that Detroit needs to get out of it. But I was like, I actually love that game plan going in because 
like let's just force them to run even if it's like because like if they take long drives to get down the field running the ball then we can like shrink this game and that kind of fed into my point like i looked up and that was the fastest first quarter of all time because we were running a lot they were running they to, to their credit they just ran the ball and picked up chunk plays but it was a long enough drive where i'm like okay like we know we can't stop this team and we're not going to win a shootout so if they, we just force them to run by not stacking the box then this game might shrink and we'll have a chance towards the end. So I didn't actually hate that strategy, but they were hammering that point home. And that'll be a topic later where it was negative for us. Other observation in the first quarter that picked up right away and only progresses is that our defense is cement slow sideline to sideline. So terrible. Unbelievable. You guys can go in on that more if you want, because that seemed to be like one of the biggest. Jamie Collins, sideline to sideline. Bad. Dog bleep slow. <laughs> I mean, dear God, he's so slow. We can't get to the can't get to the sideline at all. Any team could just take their running back and run outside zone and probably be pretty good at it. Anzalone stinks too. Let me just tell you, he stinks at football. I think Dan Campbell said today that he played really well. And no, I just don't know. He led the team of tackles. Did he say he played really well? He did. Oh, he said he was no. in there all the time. Do he did a great job. So Anzal Anzalone. I know. I mean, we're gonna crap on the guys, so I'd like to at least get his last Anzalone. No way. That's that's what I learned last night on all three broadcasts. Everyone said Anzalone. I'm calling him Anzalone, so I'll get his name wrong then. I'll be a hypocrite. That's why I, I don't like that it's Anzalone, but it is. He's certainly faster, but it's not he hard to be sucks. faster than Jamie Collins. It seems like Anzalone just overruns everything. Like he just kind of almost is too aggressive and gets there and then like has to hold or overruns a guy. I, I don't know. He he was glaringly bad. And in the first quarter of this game, I already wrote down a little arrow. I wrote Derek Barnes. Um, yeah, it's time. I think Derek Barnes, I don't know what you think. I mean, I think Derek Barnes has to probably start next game. I'm willing to go that far. I've seen enough through two games. I don't think he will start, but I think he should. If I was coaching, he'd start next game. Maybe Evan likes Alex Anzalone. No, I don't. I think he's, he's not very good. But like the first drive, it stood out because we were almost running like a it was technically three, four, but it was like a, basically an extra defense alignment where the middle of the field was only two middle linebackers. Yeah. Um, you had Collins and his alone. And if they had like a tight end or two tight ends, or they brought a wide receiver over to help with the run, we would bring down our outside linebackers. So it was five across the board. It was the game plan. I just, our linebackers are so bad. We told this in the off season that if you want to do that and keep two high safeties, they have to be able to run and play downhill, and they just don't do it well enough. You know, now that you say that, I will walk back a little. I guess when you do the two high safety thing, you're kind of putting them on islands. Um, yeah. And that's also like some of it can't be their fault. Like Jamie Collins <laughs> just looks like an edge rusher. I don't like, I can't, so he's tall too. Like he's a big guy. And like just watching him how try to chase down Aaron Jones, it's almost like he's just put in a position not to be good. I saw of starting linebackers graded by PFF. Anzalone. Are we saying Anzalone or Anzalone? I'm going to do Oni. I'm going to, and if you're wrong, it's on you. I, it's, I'm not wrong. Uh, if I'm wrong, everyone last time. All right. Saloni. Calzone. He was the third worst graded linebacker. But like, think about NFL. how you say Calzone. No, I agree. You don't with say Calzone. I'm just telling you what everyone was saying. Pepperoni. He was the third worst graded by PFF through two games, and yep. Collins is like 23rd, 24th. All right. So they both suck. This is put to be nice about. Well, twenty fourth out of like what isn't thirty two <laughs> times two linebackers? That's like middle of the pack. I don't think that's how it works. 
isn't it? 30, it, it that would make sense. 32 times Either two. way, my eyes tell well, me. Well, it depends on how many like linebacker positions you got outside linebackers, single linebackers. Some teams run 3-4, some teams run 4-3, so there's like an influx of linebackers. It's just, and then you have certain packages and all that kind of stuff. With that scheme, you like you guys said, you need better linebackers, and we don't have them. So the defense is just going to be bad. It's not going to get much better. Positive that I saw. I like this one play call we had where we did two fake handoffs to a screen. And in general, it led to a bigger point. I liked a lot of play calls in the first half of the game by Anthony Lynn. And I know there was question marks about him coming into the year because he got fired. And But mainly for his like tougher tougher ability to be the head coach and like do clock management stuff. I think he's pretty sweet at being just an OC. I think there's a lot of knowledge in that brain. Um, but then there's also some points where I'll get to later where I'm like, eh, I don't really know what I like what he's doing. But there was several play calls in the game where we were running pre-snap motion and a lot of misdirection for little quick screen routes that I thought were very nice to put the team in favorable positions. Um, quick rant, that was absolutely a intentional grounding call. That was the Lambo difference. I actually I went back, I thought I was like, Am I crazy? I went back into the rule book, command F, looked up intentional grounding. If you hit a quarterback's arm as they're releasing the football it cannot even be intentional grounding which is exactly what happened as we watched and also it wasn't even that far away from a receiver he was trying to complete it so get your head out of your butts refs on that call that's stupid didn't really cost us because he like it was incomplete and punt anyways but that's just a joke of a call that needs to be cleaned up well that's what happens when you play in green bay stupid nights annoying <clears throat> um permission for us to get a little bonked up in the chat how about that dime from golf to hawkinson Nice. A lone bright throw. That was golf versus the Vikings on Thursday night football that I made you guys like rewatch that game in the offseason to try to sell us. That was that golf. That's that Jared golf. <clears throat> How fast do you want me to debunk you? I mean, not yet. I mean, that was a great throw. Okay, I'll wait. That was a really good throw. And a that good was. But people were like, Hawkinson's a beast. No, Jared Goff was a beast on that play. That, that was the great ha- version of that. That ball has to be caught. That ball. Hey, Jared Goff carved up this, this team in the uh, first half. I would say he looked very comfortable. Yep. Because- 17 points on the road at Green Bay. I know their defense isn't great. Um, they got no pressure on him. But. And he was comfortable. Yeah. Made plays. And then they started dialing up some blitzes. Yeah. Then it didn't go as well. Um, before we get to halftime, I have a rant about uh, the first thing where I just really am mad at Dan Campbell. Our two-minute drill made me want to punch myself in the face. Mm. That's not where I thought I was going to end that, but that's where I wanted to go. I want to be a little PC. Fine with running DeAndre Swift on that first play to try to catch him off guard. Got 12 yards. Cool. You ran the ball again. Fine. Even then, if you didn't even catch him again. To not call a timeout after the second DeAndre Swift run is one of the dumbest things. With three of them. Again, I don't... You have to keep this in mind. I know there's a lot of SOL stuff that happens with watching the Lions every week. I don't get to see all of it. With Now, you better be on your game, Dan, when I'm watching the full game. That was... Stupid. That was dumb. You're dumb for that. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Call a timeout there to stop the clock. That way you have like 50 seconds left on their side of the 50. You let it run to like 30 seconds. Then you ran one of the worst swing routes of all time to Jamal Williams as DeAndre Swift's already heating up and he can't get out of bounds. Not his fault because there was a guy in his face. Then you're standing there with like 17 seconds left and you're like, well, we were just at 50. We were just at 55 seconds on their side of the 50. And now we're at 17. We moved one yard. You can't do that. You have to score on that drive. We needed 21 points there. We needed 21. Credit to our kicker, Cybert, 
almost Miss forgot his name. And then, if this was a Packers podcast, how stupid is Matt LaFleur? This was a great point by Eli Manning that I kind of had always thought but never heard anyone say it, is that why do these coaches wait till the last second to call their timeout? That way, the kicker can get a practice kickoff. If you're going to ice the kicker, ice the kicker at like 25 seconds on the play clock. You're going to ice them no matter what. It doesn't matter when you call the timeout. He got a practice kick. He missed. Then he gets to come back. Like, okay, now I can make it. What are we doing? These coaches stink in that moment. That was that was poopy brain. They they uh, they lost brain cells. Just to counter that uh, field goal thing, some believe that if a kicker sees themselves miss, it gets in their head and then they miss again. So the whole like, but that's not guaranteed. If you see yourself miss, then your your confidence goes. So like, if you hit a okay. snap hook off the tee, but that's you're not going to feel good about the next drive you hit. I'm sure that does happen, but that's also that's a gamble because you're not. There's nothing that guarantees he's going to miss the kick after you call the timeout. He just happened to in that situation, right? I'm just giving you the uh, the flip side. All I know is I want my coaches from now on calling that ice timeout early because you see every Sunday that these kickers get off free little practice shots. Evan, do you have anything on that? I feel like you you dial into that stuff. You probably like, why don't we call a timeout? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm more for just not even calling a timeout because what's the point at sometimes? Like, I, I wish there was a stat that we have all these big media companies that we watch football on. There has to be a stat of like icing kickers and not icing kickers. How many times it actually succeeds? Because yeah. I don't think it's very high. I think, I think at more time, I think at more time it hurts them where they call a timeout and he misses like it happened than when they don't call a timeout and he makes. But honestly, even work like that, I agree with even worse was just not calling a timeout after the swift second. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, because what? Swift you, you only gains two yards, and then you, you have a pass to Hawkinson, and then you call your first timeout. Now there's 24 seconds left. It's like and then you have a garbage swing route to Jamal Williams, like you said, he doesn't get out of bounds, and now we're at 17 seconds with two timeouts. Where if you call the timeout Four. after Swift, you're it's still complete. over a minute left. You're right around a minute. Yeah, because you would complete the Hawkinson, assuming that still happens, and you're yeah, you're around a minute to fifty seconds, and then can call another. Like we had three timeouts. I just don't know how you don't have a sh- like multiple shots at the end zone on there. I mean, they they end up. The thing doing I was it, thinking is away. that like he thought he still thought that he had to have a timeout for the last play, no matter what. So he was trying to save. He was trying to save two of them. Where he, he's in his head, he's like, all right, the last play was one second left. I had to call a timeout so we can get a field goal. Second game is head coach. There's I just hope the uh, blunders. I trust that Dan's a type of accountability man that if we were able in a room with him and asked him, Dan, do you regret not calling timeout there? He'd be like, yep, I do. And then he'll learn from you. Like he he'll learn. Um, so we go to half. And then second half, the first thing <laughs> I wrote down, I mean, I kind of forget. I just wrote down the third and 12 was atrocious. That that was the Devontae Adams deep ball. That was stupid. And that was my little teaser for the whole too high thing is that we left too high on third and 12. I don't understand that at all. Like you're, you're giving up all game not to get beat deep. And then you get out of it and you put Melifonwu, poor dude, on, a, on an island as a rookie against Devontae Adams. And he was actually in solid position. Wasn't that bad. No, he was in solid position. But like, why not just give the kid some help and stay too high, which you've been doing all game. And then on third and 12, you're like, now we're going to get cute and go cover one robber. I mean, what are you doing? I don't understand. Like do that on like second. I don't know. Do young and inexperienced head coach. 
But that stuff annoys me because I'm brand new DC. Well, that's not a DC before. I know, but that's like stuff's gonna happen. You're supposed to be smart, and you're Gotta sending to a coach, and you're just gonna put our poor guy Melifano on island, and he gets hurt on the play. Even worse, it's gonna hurt us for weeks at this point because our whole secondary is hurt. We got guys out there like number twenty-seven. I looked at Alex like, oh, who's that? I have no idea who that is, but unbelievable. I, but then also that throw was just Aaron Rodgers doing Rodgers things, but you can try to prevent that. We should be grateful it was close at that point in the game. No, that's a loser mentality. You're a loser for saying that. Am I? Yes. You watched the same team I watched? Yeah, we looked sweet in the first half. I thoroughly enjoyed the first half of football. We I was sweet. Giddy. We gave up a touchdown almost every possession. But that's that's modern football, baby. We're just trying to outscore people. <laughs> okay. I'm down for that. I don't want to be let's, the Bears. Let's get to the negative. I'd rather be the Chiefs than the Bears. Let's build the Chiefs model, not the Bears model. All right. Let's get a Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. We should. Because Jared Goff has baby <laughs> hands. Yeah, he's playing in North Carolina right now. Okay, well, that's a different discussion for a different I can day. tell you right now, the college kids come out, none of them are Patrick Mahomes. They definitely can't do it. This, I, all caps, three question marks. Jared Goff, read option. We had that in our bag. He ran that for like 13 yards. I was like, we just, we actually just ran a zone read option for Jared Goff and it worked for a first down. Well, yeah, because they, no way they expect. And he was kind of scooting. Well, sort of. Jared Goff has baby hands. Anyone else have anything? Well, before we get out, that was towards the end. We're just still born. There's a big, it's a big point in the middle of this game where I could go on another rant, but I'm sure Evan was maybe equally as bad. I'd like to him go, Evan, you get first thoughts on our fourth and one decision. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, I that sounds put it all, all. <laughs> If fourth and one on Green Bay's 25, I am putting it, whether they'd like it or not, I am I'm running right behind Frank Rag now. Yep. I'm doing it. Yep. You saw highlights. If you were watching the, uh, which one was it? I think it was the Peyton Eli. They would like cut to like the behind the QB um, a little bit. Yep. And there was a couple of times where right now is just moving the nose tackle defensive tackle, just absolutely just basically picking him up and moving him wherever he wants. I would have ran behind Rag now. I would have put Williams and Swift right next to Goff and tell him which one do you want to block. Which yeah. one wants the handoff, and then make the make the defense adjust. Which I have a balanced formation, so that way they don't they can't tell which one's the strong side. And then I'm following whatever blocking assignment right now wants to run behind. But I'm running behind Frank. I'm not trying to have a nice simple pass to Cephas. I'm sorry, or why or why does Cephas not talent enough for that? See, in that right there, like. I know we like to joke and give ourselves credit that we're football analysts and like where it should be credentialed. But the more I watch games, the more I actually think we're, we're not joking. Like I get so annoyed when I think I could call a play better than the OC of my team that I'm watching. And what Evan just said is, is a thousand times better than what we attempted. I can't believe, and to rewind, the third down play was like pretty lucky to begin with. It was a very well covered, like, out route to Amanra, our guy who made a bobbling catch diving. So it was like, okay, that was sweaty just to get to fourth and one. And you're going to try to run another like tight coverage short pass. Why are we not, like you said, we've been leaning on this. We've been leaning on their defensive line all night. We've, we've kind of been not dominating the trenches, but been doing very well in the trenches and a fourth and one. They're not stopping anything. Packers fans even will admit and know that they weren't going to stop the run there. They don't have the dude up the middle. They don't have BJ Raji to do that. Run right behind your all-pro center, the best player on your team, voted by all of us analysts. Get the get the first down. We move number one graded. You know, lineman. Like, we have a chance to stay in the game if that goes well, and you just throw us a hitch of a long hitch of like far side hitch. Now to the nitty gritty, the whole right side of the field 
routes were pretty much open like swift was open and the guy to his right whoever was in that slot was open but like if the read of the play is a look left for jared he looks there he's like oh it's fourth and one i might have pressure right away i gotta get rid of it it's like don't blame him the play's gotta be a run jared did his job on the third and eight to get us to that point run the ball <laughs> that is so stupid again dumb 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 stupid 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 i don't the know who's thing calling about the nfl is they probably called two plays in the huddle and so if you've golf doesn't like the first play there's probably a kill play oh. audible you change it and then for the nfl it's all about matchups so if you have a one-on-one matchup, the offensive coordinators and all the offensive guys are probably saying, oh, we're going to win this matchup. So that's probably why they did it. Yeah. And then you look at the matchup and it's Quintez Cephas. And you're like, why? And you're like, well, probably not. DeAndre Swift. Ever heard of him? How's he supposed to do a thousand yards rushing when you're not giving it to him on fourth and one? It's so stupid. If you want to throw it on fourth and one, you should be throwing it to Hawkinson. Yep. Whether he's double teamed or not. He's our best receiver. Stupid, man. I just don't like when I could... Give a, you put the team in a better situation than the people that are actually calling the shots. It's not just you. Being paid I mean, I hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. 90% of reasonable fans would have thought a run play was required. And then yeah. that debacle happens. Then we get to the end of the third. And I wrote before it happened, we need to hold them to a field goal. I forget to score at this point, but if, I think a field goal would have made it 24-17. Yeah. Like, okay, we could still be in this game. And then our boy... Yeah, because it was 21 17 because they scored out of the half. So it was going to be, it was 21 17, them driving at the end of the third. So still like in the game. And then it gets crazy. You don't think that's right? No, I I agreed with everything you said, and that was right. I just, we weren't in the game based on what I was watching. Meh. I mean, we were, couldn't just, stop. We were, we, if we don't piss and poop in our pants on that fourth and one, we're in, that was in, like Evan said, that like they were 25. Changed, yeah. You get that, so we're very much in the game. And I'm saying if we stop them, we've been moving the ball all game up until that point. We've been moving the ball easily all game. So end of third, I'm like, all right, call them to a field goal. You're down seven. You can you can drive. And I did not know a monsoon was about to happen as well, so factor that in. Um, but Anzalone decides a defensive hold on like first and 20 after they bail us out the holding. And that was when it was just like, okay, they gave us a break for the field goal that I wanted to go first and 20. And then Anzalone has to just grab a jersey when he didn't have to. And then they end up scoring, I think, on – um I forget what play it was, but they probably an Aaron Jones touchdown. It was an Aaron Jones. It was either Aaron Jones or Tunyon because those, those are the people that scored. Might have been the Tunyon So that happens, and I'm like, okay, well, there's Anzalone again just killing us with a, with a bad – even though it's only a five-yarder, we get the automatic first down, it just changes everything. And then the monsoon come, comes, and then Alex – your point from the fourth quarter? Jared Goff's baby hands, man. Can't hold on to a wet ball because they're this big. Two, two of my fingers is Jared Goff's hands. It's just so disrespectful, but I think it's true. He's got baby hands. It's, it happened in LA. It's happening here. He's two fumbles. He's lucky he recovered one of them. I just got to go straight shotgun. I, and I don't even know why we're going under center in the NFL anymore. Like, there's no point. Shotgun. It's a good point too. I didn't think about it in the moment, but looking back, it was like first down. Like, why are we under center? That was just that was the end of the game right there. I mean, great they snap by touchdown. Oh, great snap, snap by Ragnall. It's not Ragnall's fault on that one. That's Jared Goff's fault for dropping it. Um, Little hands. And then just when you're like, all right, I'll just hang around to see if I see any flashes from a Monra or anyone. Um, goes to throw and he just drops it, which is even worse. That's like Jameis Winston level <laughs> circus again. It was dumping crazy amount but the Packers did not seem to have any problems with the football which just aggravates you even more you know like if the other team's also struggling you're like okay it's just a joke out there but it went one way and then the game ends um I think the only 
thoughts I had post game when I was thinking about it into today was like, we got to get DeAndre Swift more involved. Like I like Jamal Williams, especially his personality, but change of pace. Even in the garbage time, again, you can argue like maybe their starters, backups are starting to get in. It's a downpour. They want to go home. But like you just watch with the eye test DeAndre Swift. He passes it. He makes people miss. He hurled a guy like into oblivion. That guy like a retirement level hurdle, like just embarrassing the way he did that. And it's like this guy is out to be a baller, a Pro Bowl level player, talent, and we're splitting too much time at this point. Like, and I know Anthony Lynn knows what to do with him because he helped Austin Eckler get to those levels. Swift needs to be like Austin Eckler, but like, better needs to be needs has the talent to be better. Needs to be used like that. And again, I like Jamal Williams, but I need more DeAndre Swift. He's too talented to not be getting used that much. I think they're still working him out of the injury. I mean, he was questionable all week. So maybe. I don't like to think about those things. Well, it's not a fun just, narrative. Just trying to be, you know, realistic here. They're probably trying to limit him until they're ready to go full go. And I think by middle of the season, he will be the the full go, and we'll see Jamal on like third down. Like I'm, I need DeAndre Swift on eighty percent of snaps. I'm willing to go that far. Yep. I mean, he's working on a groin injury, so it's gonna. You don't want to ruin his career by playing 80% of snaps in a season where you're going 2 and 15. So It's very selfish. You got to think about the fans like me. <laughs> well, do you want him to be on the team when they're good? Yes. Well, then you need to think about his groin. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, does anyone have any like final thoughts of the game? We kind of we motored through it. You know, I just hate our defense so bad. We're going to be bad. Yeah, we just suck. Um, Sucks. Let's see. The, the two points I wrote down says we can't come overcome turnovers. We can't overcome the small mistakes um, here and there. This team just isn't talented enough. And I wrote down this defense is still two, three years away. I mean, it's I don't over, think yeah. we might be able to get like a couple free agency to like help boost it a little bit. But Detroit's not a, not a destination. And nowadays, I think people are in a, if you're a free agent, you're in a win now mode. You're kind of chasing a Super Bowl ring more than money. The offense is talent. So the receiving core is lacking, but you still have to go all defense in the draft. It would have been sweet to get Micah Parsons. Yeah. I remember when I said that and no one wanted him, but. No, I'm not saying they should have taken him over. No, they should have. They should have. I don't think so. I still stand by. Could have traded back. Like I still stand by the fact that like Sewell was the right guy there. But like when you watch it, you're just thinking like, man, Michael would be sweet. And so I'm still gonna hold out hope for Derek Barnes to be incrementally better than what we have, and you know, a lesser version of Michael Parsons. If it were me, with how bad this defense is, I would just unleash all the rookies. I would just let them play. Like, well, they're getting injured. Eighty percent. I know now. I I didn't see. I didn't see uh, Anza Ricky out there, and I was told he was gonna make his debut. I did not see him at all. So maybe he was just dead silent, but I did not see him. I saw Aleem make a play. Did not see Levi. He's like 75. I did get not Barnes see in. Get Anzalone out. You just cut him. <sighs> just kidding. I mean, he's the captain of our defense. I don't care. I don't care. If, I don't care if Jamie Collins. We just. Well, it is I his would job not care. Profession. I don't want him to get cut. I would not care if we family. just. I would not care if we ate Jamie Collins' salary tomorrow. And got yeah, him. I'd cut Jamie Collins. Same like, with Anzalone. Seen enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Um, it's going to be tough to win a football game this year. I don't feel like doing every single NFL score. I will say Kyler Murray is still unbelievable. That game was sweet. Um, anything else that stands out? 
I mean, the Josh the, Johnson on that call too. Yeah, he's like it was the same throw you talked about last show, where it's like back. He's like a fade. He's like a fadeaway. Like he invented a fadeaway throw, and he's just dropping it in buckets. Um, the Sunday night game was awesome. That was a great football game in general. Um, I don't know how you could then stay up for that. I had to watch the replays of it. The Ravens. I just, fell asleep. Yeah. I, oh, I was housing McNuggets yeah. and a Big Mac during that. That was a full just veg session right there. Um, the Panthers might be good. Defensively. Panthers might be good. Sam Darnold um, looks pretty good. McCaffrey helps a lot with that. I mean, I feel like a lot of teams just kind of... Shout out on my plane, uh, all the kids in the fraternity from Michigan State that were uh, hardcore gamblers that were just begging for all these prop bets on the plane, and the whole plane erupted when uh, Washington took the lead, so that was pretty funny. I feel like most of the teams that lost in week one that like needed to bounce back got it. Like I feel like week yeah. two was pretty much how you'd expect things yeah. to go in the NFL. Yeah, as I look at the Stafford still looks good. My quarterback. Yep. Yeah. I heard um, today. The, I was impressed with the Raiders. I'm not saying the Steelers are great, but I was impressed they had a big Monday night win. Short week, they fly across to Pittsburgh and get a win there. That's kind of, that's impressive to me. Injuries piled up a bit, quarterback wise. Yeah, kind of like your like C tier quarterbacks were going down like flies. It felt like. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into some college football. Like I said, 25% of the way through. I'm way more excited to talk about that. As always, we start out with the less exciting one of the week, if we can determine which one that is. And this week, it was clear it was Michigan, NIU. Yeah. Much less national importance in that game. Um, much more importance in my life to avenge the Rocky Lombardi loss. So, yes, they won because I'm still on this show. It was 63-10. to 10, Final score. I only saw the highlights hand up because I was at the uh, Miami-Michigan State game with you guys. Um, just briefly here, the, the kind of bucket list I watched of the 25 or so minute highlight tape. Corum and Edwards, uh, they both had burst runs in this game that impressed me. I kind of knew Corum had his, but he was able to stay in bounds on like a little outside zone that was just impressive. He beat everyone. And then Edwards kind of had that like tiptoe through the hole and then just shot out of a cannon, which I kind of knew he had from watching like West Bloomfield State Championship highlights, but I didn't know how it would look against college kids. Again, this is NIU. Um, they did beat Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech, I think, stinks. But then they also beat Clemson. So they didn't the- beat Clemson. They almost beat Clemson. It's just a theme of this show. I, did, I said almost beat. No, I, I didn't hear the almost. Uh, it's a theme of the show where my brain's still broken, like when you try to connect the dots of who's better than who. Um, play call-wise, from what I saw, limited. I liked it's better. It looked like we had more pre-snap motion. We got um, our faster guys on the edges in more creative ways. AJ Henning, that kid needs more touches um, in those creative ways. He's very fast. It was good to see again. Uh, I think in the first game of the season against Western, Cade had a nice touch on a deep ball. It was good to see him at least do that at least one more time. He didn't really have any in the Washington game because we talked about we did not let him throw because we're Army. Um, but he did have good touch on a deep ball. Like there's a, I, I know it sounds dumb, but there's so many Michigan quarterbacks in the last decade of football I've watched where they do. I do not trust them to hit any pass like 30 plus yards downfield. And so far he's been able to do it twice. So that's good. Um, Cornelius Johnson had a great route on that as well. I think it's pretty clear he's our best receiver at this point since the Ronnie Bell injury. Um, He's not the fastest guy, but he's got a good route running ability. The phrase we like to say, or I like to say, Michigan did what good teams do against bad teams. You like to see that they did not play down to the competition level in this case. 
overall team wise staying the obvious here but it's nice to see as a fan of the team at least as it holds for now because it won't hold up forever 350 yards per game rushing on the season is number one in the country so the numbers back up your eye test one fascinating thing that i was reading in articles post game they asked um coach harbaugh about his brother's sunday night football win and it naturally got brought up that like a lot of what the ravens have been doing the last two years in their run game system have bled into what michigan's been attempting more so this year because also matt weiss who was the running backs and quarterbacks coach uh maybe not quarterbacks just running backs coach he, he hopped around the Ravens staff but he also came over with mcdonald from the ravens and now he's the quarterbacks coach and i think he's had a pretty heavy role in helping with the run scheme and honestly when i when you watch it it kind of makes sense and you it, it does correlate because like i noticed when the ravens play they do a lot like a lot of their plays are like pulling action where they'll have at least two guys pulling on a lot of plays. And I've noticed Michigan's been doing that much, much more, usually with like a tight end and then one of the linemen. So I think it's very, obviously it's not like the Ravens exactly because they don't have a mobile quarterback at Michigan, but like the, the blocking scheme seem to be very similar, which I like. Again, goes to the bigger point. The Ravens always struggle in the big playoff games with that. And that can easily happen with Michigan and big games down the line. But for now, it's fun to to watch. And then lastly, the good thing that happened was A.J. Henning started returning punts. We got Colasar out of there and Henning looked good. Um, he did have one like scary one where he caught it like on a bounce running backwards and it could have been bad, but he got like 25 yards or so out of it. So that's key going forward of him returning punts and being good at it. That's all I have about the Michigan and IU game. Yeah, I mean, it's a <clears throat> stat padding game. Yeah. Looks good at the end of the season when you have all those stats. Yeah, really helps for postseason arguments when you're like, oh, he had this many yards. And like, well, 87 came on one throw against NIU. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Shout out Rocky for beating Michigan last year. But, man, is he not good at football. Jim Harbaugh said he was a really good quarterback in the postgame. No, he's not. He's really not. (laughs) Also, shout out. QBR 22.8 says so. Whoa. For his uh, big run at the end of the game, down 60. Yeah, it's – Super sweet, Rocky. You know. Bringing it on from the, the fans, yeah. yeah. Can't. Not not a great look for you. He's just but, a, he's a blockhead, but just, he plays just, hard. Yeah. He's not a quarterback. He looks like a fullback. Can't throw. NIU stinks. Michigan looks good. They're doing what they're supposed to. I mean, you can only play the teams that are uh, in front of you, and they're they're dominating them. So That's the truest thing you've ever said on the show. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule. Yep, and so good for them for Thanks. blowing them out. It's probably the most points I've seen Michigan score in a while. I mean, I don't watch every Michigan game, but it seems like probably since would be a lot. Seventy-eight nothing against Rutgers or Tate forty-eight. Seventy-eight nothing against Rutgers. Yeah, we beat them seventy-eight nothing with Jabril. Wow, <laughs> that is that real? <laughs> That's real. That screenshot goes around every every week, every year we play Rutgers. Holy, at, you'll see that. Word. You'll see that on Twitter. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it was embarrassing for them. Wow. Um, I guess not that good, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have like big takeaways. I need to see a lot more from Cade McNamara. I don't know enough about him at all. I haven't seen much from him. The throws he's making, yeah, they're deep balls. They're open though. And I guess you say Michigan quarterbacks can't make these. You, you just can't overthrow them or underthrow them. Right. He's, but I mean, they're not be. crazy difficult throws. No. It'll be interesting to see this week. But I'm not going to get into that yet, so I'll wait. Smart of you. Haven't seen enough from him. And Donovan Edwards played well, but I don't think that means much because he's not he's not breaking into the core two, I don't think, at least yet. 
I want him to. That's it. Did you have anything, Fran? You haven't. I will not be offended if you don't. Um, they suck. Worm's the best player you got. Um, obviously the passing game, you didn't really have to do anything. It's just Northern Illinois. You only forced one turnover. I think that was what one of your only turnovers on the year. Yeah. Um, I don't do much of that so far. Do you see Jim Harbaugh's quote about the olives and I was lost in the sauce when he was talking about that? You know, I tried to, I started to block out his like cheesy quotes. He had one about like generals on the air and ground after the Washington game. And they just, they go in one year of mine and out the other. Gotcha. But um, he was, other than that, uh, McNair, he had two rushes and seven yards, but he, you guys didn't give up a sack. So, um, I don't know what happened there. Hand up, didn't see every single play. Jared so, Goff read so, options. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, other than that, you know, now you're getting a Big Ten schedule. We'll actually, finally, yeah, somewhat competent opponents. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, now for Michigan State, 38 at to the 305. The 305, 17 at Miami, 17 points. Um, fair to say. Now, bear you got to listen carefully to the words I choose here. This was the biggest game for Mel Tucker going into the game. Wrong. No, that has to be right. Well, like, going into the game, yes. Alex, going into this game. Of this season. No, of his career at Michigan State. Because, like, going into Michigan last year, like, and going into Northwestern, you can argue those were bigger wins if you want. I still think – I would still say this win's bigger because this is, like, you guys are – this was a, like – non-COVID nationally televised game being your rival sweet but like the year also was like not a great year I would argue that going into the game this was the biggest game had to win it not didn't have to win it but like in his mind probably had to win it and then post like biggest win I'll stay I'll die on that hill I I don't think we can say it's the biggest win so far I don't know because I don't I have some concerns about Miami but that's different Okay, I guess that you can like do money more in quarterback, but like it was built up. It, you guys were six and a half point dogs. Like, yeah, I also game. said that this would happen. I'm with Graham. I said it's, it last. I'm with it's Grant. a big game. I felt good about Grant. it all last because like think I about didn't it. think it'd be okay. Very but close. like going into the Michigan game last year, everyone was like, "Oh, we, you you guys were expecting to get your doors blown off," and so did Vegas, and it obviously did not go that way. But like going into the game, there was no like buzz about the game. Whatever. Yeah, it was a big game. There's no doubt. I don't know why we have to rank big games. It's just stupid. Cause you got to win those games. Everyone loves lists. This Winning the, last year's this two was games the biggest big. game of Mel Tucker's this game career. Was the biggest game of this season in college. Biggest college game for Mel Tucker. He coached in a national championship as game? a head coach. Let me finish with the asterisk. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a big win. Hard Rock Stadium blows. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Like the, the actual seats were fine. Like I don't think it's it's one of those stands where I don't think it has that bad of a view unless maybe you're tucking a corner. But like it's just weird. Like the whole the whole atmosphere is weird because it's so far away from campus. It's like it's obviously a pro stadium, right? We know that, but like it feels like that. Um now to, with that being said, like the tailgating scene was sweet because we're sweet and we make it fun. But I could easily see how like you're just out there in this wide open spread out parking lots and it's like 90 degrees outside and you're just sweating bad. Shout out to the people that hosted us. That was clutch. Um, won't air them out, obviously, because like we're not just gonna say their names on the show. But that was very appreciative. If you listen to this, it was a fun time. Um, deleted several, several beers before the game. Um, so yeah, that would be my observations. I don't think the stadium the atmosphere. sucked. Yeah, I don't know. Sucked that they can't fill it. Right, like that all goes into but the it. actual like, construction of the stadium. I thought was you know 
nice. Okay, they, if you want to cover up shape, if you want to go Bob the Builder on it, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, like, I wouldn't say the stadium itself. Like sucks. Hard Rock Stadium and their atmosphere at Miami stinks out loud. Their fan base maybe stinks, but their school is very small. People forget how small it really is. Is it that small? It's tiny. How many kids go there? Blah. Evan, didn't you look it up? It's like around 12,000. It's a private. Miami's a private. Really small. It's like Adrian College and Siena Heights combined. That's stunning. I would have thought it would be over 20K. No. I thought I said that all morning, that rule. No, No, you never said that to me. Their fan base, um, pretty stupid when it comes to football. Like, I don't think anyone that goes to those games really knows football. They just like to party, uh, which I kind of respect, you know. Like, they haven't been good since early, early 2000s. So, I can kind of get that. But... I mean, when you just see the jumbo Tron shots of people, you're like, these people would rather be at the rock bar deleting Miami Vice frozen drinks than actually watching football, I feel like. You yeah. can't, like I said, you can't really blame them. Their team's not much to to look at from what they're used to growing up. But yeah. But shout out Michigan State for traveling in force and making that stadium better than it would have been if we didn't travel. I mean, there would have been no one there if Michigan State fans weren't there. I think Brendan Quinn estimated was probably a third Spartan fans. I feel like that's fair. I would say 33% at least were Michigan State fans. I'd go higher. I'd go like 40. Mm. It did get I'm loud when higher. Miami needed to get loud. I'll give them that. They they do yell. They they yeah. are loud. But um Yeah. I think that stadium helps with the noise too because of the roof and like the way it's constructed, everything. All the noise is just gonna bounce off of it. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I think the Sabre Stadium is super nice. It's an NFL stadium. Great. I think I like the tailgating. I think the only bad thing with the tailgating, there's no shade anywhere unless you supply it yourself. And then I thought the walk to the stadium was pretty sweet just from where we were tailgating at, walking past all the tailgating and like the walk up into the stadium. Yeah. The, I agree. The bridge design was cool over the street. I don't know. Yeah. They had a cool, like when you're in the stadium, you can see through, uh, you can see the skyline. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that helped towards the end to let us know there was an impending rainstorm on those kinds of way. Yeah. I don't think the just, stadium sucked. But then I it just rained when it was sunny out. Their fans suck. Yeah, shout out to the great seats. Um, we were in the note, you could say nosebleeds, but with this, like we said, the stadium roof, we were in the shade the entire game. 50 yard line. Because there were some people in the end zones that were in the sun. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> I would not have been cheering either if I was in the sun. Yeah. Um, for the game itself, we had a pretty big 10 s game in the first half i'd say like i felt like i was watching a big 10 game a lot of it um which probably played in the michigan state's hand i'm trying to think of like things that stood out to me oh i went back and watched some of the highlights today and i wanted to give 47 his due on the first fumble cause in the moment i thought it was our guy cal halliday it was actually 47 who caused the fumble jeff petrowski Jeff Petrowski, so credit to him. That was a that's a nice play because obviously you don't want to be giving up points on the first drive. Um, I, don't, I thought Michigan State's play calling was pretty solid. Um, it was actually funny. There was some moments where, again, like we talk about thinking that you know better than the OCs, there was some where I thought like you should do this instead. Um, but to their credit, like I think I said early in the game, Michigan State needs to get on the edges more, mainly with Kenneth Walker, and then they started to do that, which is where the bulk of their rushing yards came from and then the funniest thing is that i still will stand by and i know evan will and you will too alex the Jaden reed touchdown play the b gap was so open it was i think it was like third and six or third and seven which is like scary to run on but like with kenneth walker he's picking up that 
per pop, basically. The B gap was so open on that play when you were just screaming <laughs> from the nosebleeds, like running to the B gap, which is glad it worked out into the air. And then they just throw up tight, like tight little window post route. So it again worked out. But one of those situations where I still stand by, they easily could have picked one up that way. Um, and then staying the obvious before I let you guys go into more detail is like the strip sack just changed the game like that was like the 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 play the game and i absolutely drilled my balls out comment on that i was so on it it was like people didn't know like was it for not no the ball was out and it was rolling that was one of those ones where it felt like the ball was on the ground for an hour that's all evan I go ahead. First. You can go first. You can highlight the offense. I'll highlight the defense if you want to do it that way. All right. Yeah, that works. Um, so to start the game, I thought, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Get yourself set, man. Screamed a lot at the game. So <coughs> just trying to find my voice. Screamed a lot at ladies at the club. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> um, so I thought to start the game offensively, uh, Jay Johnson was a little conservative. <coughs> um, he, uh, we didn't, Open it up much. We were a little stubborn. Try to run, you know, between the tackles. Uh, Grant was screaming outside zone. Grant became a Michigan State fan. That should be talked about. Uh, during that game, Mich- Grant was more of a Michigan State fan than 50% of our group. So, shout out you for really uh, flipping your fandom because you're an unbiased college football fan. At that moment, I was an unbiased. You were four of the boys. And friend was- of the group because I was realizing how – Sunday scaries it was going to be back at the Airbnb ordering DoorDash when if it was a fat L. Yep. Did not so, wear Michigan State stuff for the record. Yeah, but it was it was nice to see that you uh you really got on the Spartans bandwagon. So just let's just I thought that needed to be highlighted. Don't, bandwagon's tough. For that game? Like if you know those um You were standing before me. But you know those motorcycles where like there's a little sidecar? I was in the sidecar for the game. Fine. <laughs> but you uh you would stand up on third down. <laughs> and then I barrel for the ride. And then I barrel rolled out of it when the game ended. I was like, all right, let's get back. <laughs> Anyways, back to the offense. <laughs> okay. So conservative play calling. Outside zones. And That's then, where you, were. you know the outside zones. But I what I was most curious to see in this game before mm. the game was uh, Peyton Thorne pocket presence when oh. uh, with, with pressure in his face because he hadn't seen that. And uh, early on, the offensive line was struggling a bit, mainly uh, Matt Allen, I think. Is that his name of all the Allens? I don't remember. I believe it's Matt Allen. He was graded by PFF as a 22 in that Big game. Big PFF guy over here. Yeah, I saw a lot of PFF stuff today. So, not good. And uh, Miami was sending design pressure, and they were getting to Thorne. Number 17. Don't know his name. They had three sacks in the first that half. flew around. Five tackles for loss in the first half, and that was a little concerning. Uh, I did like, though, that when Thorne was getting sacked, he did not force anything. He just tucked it, kind of took it. We punted. Big hands. I don't know if he has big hands. I'm assuming. I don't know. He's a quarterback. Bigger than Jared Goss. Probably. It's not hard to do. Evan's hands are bigger than Jerry Goff's. Whoa, don't that was almost a subtle chop. Was it? That was a compliment, I think. Um, so I thought, you know, the offensive line was not looking great to start the game. We were not getting a lot of push. But as the game went on, it seemed that we were starting to wear him down, get more comfortable. Sanic came in, the backup center, basically like one B starter. Uh, he played a lot better. And then all of a sudden, you know, Grant talked Jay Johnson into outside zone. Those started working. Peyton Thorne got comfortable. We started making easy throws, just little bubbles, slants. Thorne got comfortable. 
Um, I think we need to talk about the Trey Mosley catch uh, bubble screen where the uh, corner just ran away from him. So great move, Trey Mosley. Uh, shout out Michigan Sports Athlete. Loves this podcast. Juke him out so bad that he got 51 yards because the guy just decided to engage a blocker instead of uh, tackling him. So that was that kind of opened it up. And then the tunnel screens. I mean, wow. Uh, they were terrifying. Um, those little screens to Hayward where Thorne just drops back and throws it between five uh, linemen. I thought both times they were intercepted. Both times went for 22 yards and really kind of changed the game. And then after that, you know, you just rely on your back. Kenneth Walker, he's a freak. I don't think we need to talk about him. He's just really good. His vision is unbelievable. I mean, the cut, I don't know if all these runs were cutback design. I don't think so. I mean, I think some of them were designed. Others where uh, Miami was getting clear pressure, running right up the middle. Walker would make one guy miss, make two other guys miss, and get 14 yards. Uh, Michigan State has not had a running back like that in a long time. I think he's better than – we compared him to Jam- Jeremy Langford. I think he's better than that. Probably better than Javon Ringer too. Maybe too early. But he uh, he changed the game a lot for us. And uh, Jalen Naylor made some plays. Reed made some plays. And then the the game winner, I guess, Thorne looking left, uh, Naylor running a little stop and go on the right. Uh, in the D'Antonio era, I've heard this a lot, that Michigan State probably would have just uh, ran the ball there. They wouldn't have gone for it on fourth and one earlier with Thorne getting the uh, – oh, wait, hold on, back up. The spot on the – when it was fourth and one, when we got it by this much, worst spot I've ever seen live at a game. It was terrible. I thought he had the first down by two yards, and they marked it by this much that he got a first down. Terrible. But then the game-winning touchdown, people were saying that uh, D'Antonio would never do that, and Mel Tucker's a little more ballsy. I don't know why I had to get compared to that, but I did like that we uh, well, because, put the nail Because the Mark just is lingering around the program. That's why. He was there. Mark, shout out your tweet. Looks like a 65-year-old who's never used the internet. Mars going to start taking credit for these wins in like three weeks. Yeah, but I think <laughs> the my main three things were Thorne. His completion percentage wasn't great, but he was poised. No turnovers. Could have had one pick on a uh, miscommunication, but Miami didn't catch it. So, shout out to that. Two, Kenneth Walker is very good. And I thought three, the offense improved throughout the game, which is good to see after uh, – after the first half where they got sacked three times, five tackles for loss, I don't think Miami had another sack again. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was shocking. Michigan State's offense looks good for the first time in a while. Five years. Your balance, I think that's just to highlight your points for balance. And I think we're starting using uh, Manny Diaz's shallow bad defense um, in advantage to like a lot of misdirection, a lot of fake handoffs for end arounds to get – the, cause the offensive line will just push everybody down to either the outside linebacker or safety, whoever's the alley player, just out of position. So now kind of can use that cutback where it's technically not designed for it, but the play's going to end up happening that way. Now you just have a guy out of position. You're almost like reading him without reading him because you just know he's going to be out of position because they're the over-aggressive defense. Wide out blocking also was really good. Again. Hey, no block, no rock. Um yeah. And we got out on the perimeter, which is good to see. Our athletes matched up well with their athletes. If not, we were better than them. Um, defensively, 
the first drive and like they came out and Miami basically said, we're going to throw the ball and see what happens. Um, Derek King threw the ball 59 times and granted a little bit more of those at the end of the game when they're losing by a lot. And they only had 52 rushing yards. Um, I've never seen Derek King play live or like ever. He throws the ball so pukey. Like he looks like Jameis and he has small arms. He did make some big throws. I'll give him credit, but so many of his throws were like low at people's feet where like the guys made sweet catches, but then they couldn't run after it. Not taking anything away from the guy, but I was stunned that like this hyped up dude like threw like that. Like it kind of worked, but like I was like, what? Not for his legs. And if you're as us in the stadium, we're screaming because Rambo had, he finished with 12 catches, 156 yards and two touchdowns. And a lot of them were just on eight to 10 yard hitches because we were bailing either because we were blitzing or we're just playing a soft zone, make basically let everything play in front of us and make them go down the length of the field and finish the drive. Um, but the defense finished with three sacks, six sacks for a loss, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, and they only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. And by the way, all, we also forced four turnovers. Wow, huge! Um, and you're going to look at this. You're going to look at the team stats. And you're going to look at the yards, and they're. I'm pretty sure Miami outgained us. Um, let's see if I can find it over here. Total yards, we outgained them by 14 yards. So you're thinking, well, guys, defense wasn't that impressive, okay? But you got to put it in perspective. They're chucking the ball over the place, and they're not turning it into points. They missed a field goal. We missed a field goal. And for Manny Diaz to come out and straight up and say of like their front interior was wearing us down is just an absolute lie. I, I don't I get saw, what was coming I there. I saw that quote got corrected. That they said I don't care. I, I don't care. My main Manny Diaz did not get his team prepared to play against us and down at a home game in the heat. And, and Mel Tucker came out today. We had the trackers on of all, all the players underneath their pads, and we played faster in the fourth quarter than we did in the first quarter. Got better as it went I, on. Yes. And, you know, the defense at a time looks a little bit shaky, but I, I don't like Cal Holiday. He looks awkward out there, but he's producing, he's playing well. And then all of our transfers that we have in the secondary are basically the reasons why we're freeing out. Crouch runs sideline to sideline. Kimbrough, Williams play better. They're getting used to playing now. Um, and then uh, Gross, he's targeting. He's going to be out for the first game against the Brass. No, no. Uh, but Gross is playing well as a true sophomore. Brantley is out first half. Oh yeah, Brantley's oh, yeah. That's okay. He yeah. played well as a freshman. He got a lot of time yeah. defensively. And then Xavier Henderson, he's the best safety in college football right now. You can't even argue it because it's graded out by PFF. Um, he's a captain on the defense. He's been a captain every single week. Um, and one of those wins that you're going to look back on at the beginning of Mel Tucker's tenure and be like, that's a turning point for this program. Biggest win of his Electric, career as a head coach. It, it, as of right now, it is. I don't. You can argue it all you want. This is the biggest win of his career so far as a Michigan State head coach. No reason Alex to rank him. No reason to rank him. But <laughs> I mean, it's a huge program changing win. But I also thought it was going to happen, so I'm not surprised. Cry to you. Your prediction was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It has been every week, actually. Oh, pat yourself on the back a little bit more, man. I, don't I, let your head fit through the door. I think I deserve it. My only other point on this game was that. Uh, Winning teams dominate the fourth quarter, and Michigan State won the fourth quarter 21-3. to 
So 21 to three and their, their three points that they got was a 54, 55 yard field goal. Yeah. Um, what and Cheryl Kenneth Walker, he's in Heisman discussion. I don't care what anybody says. He leads the FBS in yak yards after contact and total rushing yards as of right now. Boys, welcome to the September Heisman club. Feels good. Doesn't it? It feels not well. Ours is a running back, so he has a better chance to sustain this over a long period of time, just based off of production. Um, to where, and he's still under the radar because national media won't talk about him because he goes to Michigan State. Yeah, I feel like I I mean I know it's the we're hearing more. It's the sounds account, so it's a lot of state fans. But I feel like I see them retweeting or liking a lot of accounts. Like PFF likes PFF is like number one fanboy club of him right now. They started a thread for him today, and there was so I think it's it's quickly growing. It it will. You can't you can't ignore it eventually. Now that leads to. I'm just saying, if this production was, if this kid was on one of the big schools or at Michigan. I mean, you would you would get sick of hearing about it, but since he's at Michigan State, they're not talking about it as much. We will talk about it. We will see it because we're in the, the that pool of media that we see on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all that. But I'm saying national media. You won't wake up on college football live in the afternoon and all of a sudden you'll see a whole segment about them. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, we might. I'll say this. That leads in perfect to my last point about – the game it could be for the bigger picture part of what we know and what we don't know but i will say for all the praise that has been heaped on to kenneth walker and it may have become may be i I may think this because the three of us were kind of um well i guess i wasn't i needed to see him obviously because i was just going off of stats at wake forest like i still need to see it and so do you guys but you guys are more bullish just, just from just from like you know seeing things that, seeing things at practice just seeing things he did um but Evan did say he'd be a third down back. Yeah, people forget. But what I'll say is for all the praise that Walker has gotten, I almost think most of it, more of it, should be directed to Thorne. Because I would say, like, through three games, I know he hasn't do, had to do a ton, but I've been way more impressed with, like, the throws he's been making and being composed. And there was two third and five yards or more that he picked up with his feet from staying composed. Sneaky wheels. Um and just composure. And to think, again, like I'm not going to hold it against you guys forever, but still in the early season, think about three weeks ago, you guys thought Russo was going to be a starter. Like to think that this kid got won the job and has looked this composed and like he belongs in college football and in the Big Ten level, um, 3-0. Like I almost think more needs to be like, yes, he's doing a great job. Like fantastic. Absolutely agree. Cool as a cucumber. His dad's uh, – I agree with that because if you're one-dimensional where Thorne's not producing, then obviously – the offense can be as good and you can kind of focus on Kenneth Walker. But now that Thorne's efficient enough, now you get to pick and choose and where he's capable of leading a drive all the way downfield and scoring against Miami, then it speaks volume for sure. Made several, just, you know, at least two big throws in the fourth quarter um, and picked up a couple with his feet. Alex was telling me before the podcast that um, we, I don't really know his name. So best, but just, irked me there was a theory that that potentially could have been a design quarterback draw play for him on one of the third down pickups. on the, the big one and i almost spit out my no. drink I, so I don't think it i stupid. personally don't think he it told me it was a I, he I told me it was a credentialed media member who threw that out and i said their credential should be transferred to us and put in our pockets because that person knows nothing about football because if that's a design play your center is going to leak at some point go pick up one of the middle they only backers. thought that because Thorne steps back and he goes 
fully just flat footed and doesn't move, looks left and then takes off. So that's, I mean, oh, I get it wasn't I a design their right. defense, but that person's stupid. But that was why they thought it. So at least give them background. They didn't just think it for no reason. No, stupid. That person's stupid and we okay. should have their credential. Okay. Well, Peyton Thorne has played really well. Yeah. Knock on wood. Well, okay. So Miami recap, which yeah. leads us into <laughs> Alex's rumor mill segment of the week presented by Codes Apparel. Now we know Miami's the 305. But what is layup here, East Lansing? Evan, I hope you know it. It is... Evan. Is it the same? Is it 517? Evan. I don't freaking know. It's just because I live here doesn't mean it's I know five it. It's 517. baby. Oh, okay. I was going to say, dude. Come on, you can't get that one wrong. You live there. I got it right. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. you didn't know it. You were questioning yourself. You can do it deep down. So, C-O-D-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com is where you can get all Mm -hmm. your Michigan-themed apparel of the different area codes in our wonderful state. You can also get ones without the area code in them if you don't want to be that specific. We got colorways for, like, all the colleges um, in the state and hoodies, long sleeves, T-shirts, all that. uh, Yeah, there's a little sample there, but, but all the... All the winter and fall apparel you're going to need, hoodie-wise, you can get them. Lightweight hoodies, heavy hood, hoodies, and Child Michigan Sports stuff resides on that website as well. So, without further ado, Alex, your rumor mill segment of the week, presented by Codes Apparel. Uh, no football related here. First time in a while. We haven't talked about Good change of pace. That. So, uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN. You guys probably know him as the... Uh, We're really talking about this guy. The Brian, the LeBron James-like follower. Evan. He's like a disciple. Lover boy. Certified uh, lover he, the boy. The only reason he has a job is because he basically was like the first one to follow LeBron. Whatever. Guy's a loser. Anyways, <laughs> he mentioned on ESPN the other day that a... Surprise team was going after Ben Simmons and, quote, a small market team. He did not reveal the team because he didn't want to until it had gone public. However, someone from NBC, I don't have the name in front of me, said that it was either New Orleans or Detroit, your Detroit Pistons. So after that and digging deeper, this is what the potential rumored offer the Pistons are contemplating for Ben Simmons. And you guys tell me what you think. The Pistons received Ben Simmons, and that's it. The 76ers would receive Jeremy Grant, Corey Giuseppe Joseph, and a first-round pick, but it is top 16 protected in 2023. Top If it is not, if it is in the top 16, the Pistons keep it. But then in 2024, it's top 12 protected. So it would carry over to the next year. And then 2025 would be unprotected? Not that really matters. I mean, it does matter, but that's way down the road. 2025? Would be unprotected. They just get it no matter where it's at. I believe that's so. That's usually yes. how those work. Yes. I'd do it. <laughs> that's it? That's it? That's the whole trade. Seems like it's not. Hand up, I'd do it. Deal. Send them. I'm now, stunned Evans on my side of that. I would think I actually like, no. am surprised. What do you do with Killian Hayes? He's the backup point guard. That's what I said. So our bench. top 10 picks is going to be a career backup to Ben Simmons. Yeah, because he's the Daniel. Yeah. 
Because he's the Daniel Jones of the NFL. Oh, it's her. <laughs> he's a Mitchell Trubisky of the NFL. It's very early. He's got, he's got this year to prove it. And if not, like he's 18. If he, if he doesn't prove it this year, he's Daniel he's Jones. He's a backup point guard. Like, what, there's nothing wrong with being a backup point guard in the NBA. No. I wish I was. I just hope he's better than that. But anyways, so I guess, yeah, Ben Simmons to Detroit. That's your rumor. I mean, if, there, if we get, if we're giving them two picks in 20, or is it 23? We're giving one first round pick. It's protected in 23 and 24, unprotected in 25. It's top 16 protected in 23, top 12 protected in 24, and I'm assuming unprotected in 25. The 25 part, I don't so, know. So we're giving them three picks. You're giving them one. Picks. One. That just carries over if you land in the top 16 and then in the top 12. Like, Evan, think about this. What? Think about so this. So let's say we get pick 12 in 2023. They don't get it's it ours. Because it's, it's protected. We get the draft we get to 12 keep that pick. with Ben Simmons and Cade. And, and we, do, we don't give up a pick in the draft in 2022. No. Oh, we had the 20- Yeah, I mean- I, 2023. Oh, so next year's draft, we get normal whatever. This is 2023? 2023. I guess that's because like that's- No, Amani's in 2022 now. No, he's not. He doesn't get to move up. It's still an age requirement. What's he going to do? He's going to play another year or go to the G League. So that's why people want the 2023 drafts? Maybe. But by then we'll be good and they'll get the what? If we have to get the 17th pick, yeah, go ahead. Take it. I don't care. 17th pick. Certainly interesting. Doesn't seem like a lot. But I think the we'll market for one Simmons is it seems like And it's not next year. We could, I have like two of our second round picks too. I don't give a care. Now, with that being said, I do actually think there's some serious like diva like there's something wrong with ben simmons like confidence um i think he's afraid to be embarrassed like it's an ego thing so i don't know how we break down that wall but i guess i would just put blind faith in our on our coaching staff to figure it out because obviously like we'll look like idiots if he is terrible but and i also did not mean to be disrespectful to killian i do have high hopes for him to be good but i guess in this case obviously he's not as good as ben simmons so therefore and i don't see how they play together so therefore, he'd have to be a bench point guard, and you maybe think, though, you guys. move up. Maybe you trade him as well for like maybe a athletic power forward or small forward or something. I don't know. But no, Jeremy Grant is really gonna. That's okay. Make this Ben Simmons worse. is better than Jeremy Grant, so that's an upgrade. Yeah, but you're. But then, yeah, then think about it. So you're okay. Think about in fantasy football terms, you're getting a better player than you're shipping out, and then you're just giving up Corey Joseph in the seventh. No, pick. no, I agree that I'm just thinking the <laughs> sure. starting five, like you. Is you better. got Sadiq Bay, and you have no other reliable wings. Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham, the two guard. Yeah, yeah. You're you're being that wing You're being that grandpa that thinks it's one through five basketball. Well, I think that Kate's not going to bring the he ball just up. Added. If ben Simmons is there. Why not? Why can't they both take Dude, turns? Dude, if anybody brings the ball up, it's fine. But I'm just saying, you, so you have Cade, Ben Simmons, and yeah, Sadiq Bay. You think how good Ben Simmons can't shoot at all? Can you think how good? And then off the bench, you have Killian who can't shoot the ball. You think how good defensively that team would be? It'd be unbelievable. Okay, well, we're gonna struggle to shoot the ball, which we already struggled to do. You don't trust Detroit can finagle some things and put some shooters around him. You also have Kelly Olynyk who's doing a 37 percent three point clip. Just saying. Wearing backward hats and pickup I, games. I don't know if that's just a guarantee. Like, yes. I mean, I would do it. Dude, we have Luca. Oh, you would? Come on. Yeah, we got Luca Garza. He is uh, going off his two-way contract to full. Really? Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Sign Told you. He's making a team. Sign it's, all that, uh, it's all that pranayama breathing they've been doing. It's working. Yeah. Sorry, that won't wait way longer than I expected. No, it's fine. It's a polarizing topic, that guy. 
But it is crazy. He just sunk his trade value by saying he does not plan to ever play in their uniform again. Yep. Said so, that today. what are you going to trade him for, really, at that point? Jeremy Grant and Corey Giuseppe. Um, <laughs> is his real name Giuseppe? It's Joseph, but Giuseppe. That's what I thought. Giuseppe's way cool. It's a mean prank to, to, to mean prank to do to Evan when he already struggles with pronunciations. Giuseppe's way cooler, though, so let's just go with that. All right. Let's get into Big Ten football, baby. Previews. You can be excited. Again, not as excited. I'll say it again. Not a big preview guy. I am a little bit more excited, though. I'm going to start, again, unbiased. Michigan versus Rutgers will kick off the previews because I feel like it's, you know, it's the middle of the day game. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think the, spread, the spread's bigger, so therefore it goes, it goes first. Well, spread-wise, they're not, which is... No, no. Well my, well, my eyes tell me. This game, these games are... So, different. Michigan, This is I checked these spreads last night. Michigan was minus 18 and a half. Down over, from 19. Over under was 51 and a half. And it's 3.30 p.m. ABC, Evan, print, announcer predictions. Ooh, this is a tough one because it's 3.30 in the afternoon. You're not going to get... Oh, this is McDonald's for sure. I'm games. putting my prediction in. Evan, have you been keeping track? Evan says this is Evan a tough she? one for everyone he's asked. Yeah, but he's always right. And I love it. Well, he got the Miami one wrong. I said Sean McDonough, and I thought they were going to do that. because Joe Tessitore. Okay. Maybe this is yeah, a Joe Tessitore. It's like the second best option because we didn't get Kirk. I feel like they might run him um, back with Orlovsky. No. All right, that's what I was this about to say. This is national TV. Hold on. Give me a second. I got to see the football week, Alex. If you want to you know, have a little filler here, I got to see like all the big games, and then that's what I would get my prediction in. So you want me to talk? Yeah, you can fill it in right now. Maybe you'll get Beth Mullins. I'm super excited game-wise to watch this football game. And I know that might sound dumb because it's Rutgers. But hear me out. I actually think that this game will give me the best base so far of how to compare this year's team to last year's team. It's a very important game, I think, for Michigan. And I don't think it's a cakewalk. I've just been told that this team... You can jump in whenever you won't derail me. Like... I just think this team, I've been told about Rutgers likes to play physical football and that's going to be their identity under Shiano. And so it'll be nice to see how that running game, that offensive line um, wears on them and how, how, how much success they're able to have against them. Like I still, and also I should clarify. So we're doing uh, in these previews, we're kind of doing a new segment called quarterly report. So we are 25% of the way through. Q1. Q1 of the football season, regular season. And essentially the quarterly report is where we say what we do know and what we don't know yet about Michigan and Michigan State. Because obviously there's some unsolved mysteries. This is one of those games where we're going to know more. What I do know is, is that I expect this game to not go to triple overtime. I expect Michigan to be able to handle Rutgers, where I wasn't as confident last year. Um, other things I feel like I know, I know for a fact through three games that Michigan has a good running game. I'm comfortable saying that. Opponents aside, I'm comfortable saying that Michigan has a good running game. I found the announcers. Well, no, that... Okay. So now I'll know when Evan says his guess, what is the correct answer? I found the whole slate, and I... You can't do that to me. Other notes. Um, My prediction is going to be... hmm. Who's better, Rutgers or NC State? Gers. Gers. They beat Rutgers Syracuse. Better. That means that game is going to be broadcasted by Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. Nice. 
Correct. Todd, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, and Molly McGrath, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Molly's my fave. Um, other notes about Rutgers. They had two cornerbacks arrested yeah, today or yesterday. Okay. There was a paintball gun incident. Um, they're arrested. So that helps Michigan. If you can't throw against that secondary with two guys out, I don't know how good they were, but everyone made it seem like, from what I read, their position was already thin to begin with. So... Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm excited to see this. I think this gives you the best base to compare last year's Michigan team to this year's because obviously this was a sweat fest last year and a lot of the same guys are there for Rutgers. I'm not so sure. They have three guys that I remember their names. The quarterback's back. He's a senior. Vedral, Vedral. They have um, Pacheco, who's a running back. He was back again. And then they have a guy... Uh, I think his brother plays for the Jets, like Faku Tassi. He's like a defensive lineman who is pretty sick, and he's back as well. So there's three, I guess that'd be their three impact players. They all returned from last year's team. Everyone's like, all right, Rutgers is not a cakewalk anymore. Um, but with that being said, Vegas isn't dumb. And I do think it'd be a, a, alarm bells would go off in my head if Michigan does not win this game by 14 or more points. I need at least to win by 14 or more points at home, 330 against Rutgers. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I lay on this game. I'm excited to watch it. I think I said that three times. I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm excited to see us play Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, you, you covered it, but I think, I think the game's going to be closer than, uh, no, I don't know. I don't think the game's going to be close, but I think Rutgers is going to make Michigan pass the ball a little more. And I think that'll be good for them. I think this is a great uh, measuring stick game for Michigan. They they shouldn't lose, but they're also going to have to you know play a, a better game. Not that they haven't played great games start to finish, but they'll they'll have to be better. This is the best opponent they're probably going to play so far. And you think Gers would beat Washington? Well, an FCS team did, so I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as much as like people talk about. I Gers. think Rutgers is a lot better. They talk about it. I still don't know. I mean, they beat Temple 61 to 14, which Temple's a dumpster fire. Yep. Temple sucks. Um, they beat Syracuse 17 to 7. That's kind of gross. Syracuse like, I don't, Syracuse right. is not good. Watch your mouth. Right. And then they beat Delaware 45 13, who's a non major team. So I really also don't think I know anything about uh, Gers going into this game. Like, they could suck. They could. They could be terrible. But I, I what I've read is their defense is supposed to be pretty legit. Not nothing crazy, but pretty good. Their offense kind of sucks, so it'll be interesting to see the the strengths going against the strengths. Uh, Michigan's at home again. They haven't left the state. They never do. I think only, ever, ever, yeah. every season. Only blue blue blood uh, college football programs don't play away non conference games. It only benefits them. That's the only ignorant comment. Um, right? I don't know if Rutgers would actually beat Washington because Washington does have some studs on defensively. They can match up well here and there. So I think Michigan will be able to throw the ball a little bit better than what they did against Washington. So, I mean, spreads 18 and a half. Like, I, I, the way that Michigan's running the ball and Washington couldn't stop them, I don't know if Rutgers can stop them either. I don't think it will be close. I think Michigan's going to pull away in the second half. It might be close for a little bit, but I don't think Cade McNair's going to really have to do much. I really don't. It's an afternoon game, so I think you know it's gonna be darkish when you know the lights are gonna have to come on for like the second half. So it's gonna have that like night game atmosphere. Um, I'll, I'll take Michigan in this one. 
Prediction time. Thirty to ten. Michigan. Thirty-eight to twenty-one. Michigan backdoor cover. Michigan forty-two to ten with a Daxton Hill pick six sprinkled in. Forty-two ten would be nice for that. I feel most confident about the ten. Like I don't. You score seventeen in Syracuse. I don't see how you're cracking much more than ten. I think uh, they, they score a garbage touchdown, like with two seconds left to get to twenty-one. So well, that'd be oh, yeah, just to cover. Yeah, I was for, thinking about just to cover for me. I was though. thinking about if that was my score, that would be embarrassing if they're only at three points still at that point. But yeah, yeah so that is Mich- that's the opening Big Ten play, Big Ten play game for Michigan. That is not the case for Michigan State. They've already played a Big Ten game. I think people might forget. I don't know. I kind of forget. Like oh, they opened open with Northwestern. Yeah, it was, was game there. Two. Wait, Rutgers must win meter. Oh, it's a must win. Yeah. Thank you for my grants must win power index. I'm, I'm going to make a graphic for that as well. Just to let people know sometimes this is a must win. I game. think the, the meter like stick should be your face. <laughs> I think that'd be, that'd be good. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. It should definitely be your face. But then would there Honestly, be- you should give us all the must win. We just put all our must win meters. Would there be like, would there be levels? Like, cause then like a, yeah, like a, a bar. super must win is all the way over and your face is at the end of it. And then not really a must win, but it would be nice. Just put it in the middle and then not a must win all the way at the bottom. Yeah, right. It's either a straight line bar or it's like the green, yellow, and red. Yeah, I like the green, half, yellow, red. Half pie. Oh, so where it's nice. like, eh, give or take, it's no, it doesn't matter. Or like red, like alarming, like a gas tank kind of gauge. Yes. And then red is like must win. Yeah. yeah. You got to make this graphic and you got to use our faces. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know what the worry is going to be, but this is a mega must win. This is the all the way turned up must win. Yeah. Also, okay. now that we're just on that topic, can I have a swaggy boy rating uh, graphic as well? Because I, I like those too. Sure. Oh, you're writing this down. We need headshots of you guys. You s- have lots of clips of us. I'm going to stalk your Instagrams. I'm going to find embarrassing photos. Must yeah. win meter. Must win meter. Graphic. Okay. So Michigan State minus four and a half as when I looked last night. It is now at five. It's up to five, maybe five and a half now. I'll okay. give you a quick update. It's at five, five right now. Okay. Yeah. I just saw it. Versus the Nebraska Corn Huskers at 7 p.m. on FS1, over under 51 and a half, the same over under as... I have found the announcers for this game as well. The Butler's game. Are they big enough that Evan has to guess? I would be stunned if you got it right. Oh! FS1. It's not Joe Davis? No. No Joe oh, Davis. Oh, he's sweet. Yeah, he's way too good. He's not going to be on this game. Well, it's he a, did a Fox game like last week. No, he does Fox games. Oh! I know who this is going to be. Did you just read it off? I interviewed him once. I bet. Nope. It's not Brandon. It's the guy that came. It's the guy that came over from. uh, It's the guy that came over from uh, uh, ESPN. Admin Ar. I can't pronounce his name. Nope. Adnan. It's not that guy either. Adnan Ardvark. (laughs) Nope. Not him. Uh, I'll say the the color guy's a former coach in the Pac-12. That helps. Mark Helfrich is doing our game. Yes, he is. <laughs> Buzzkill, they I'm gonna be in the stadium. I don't want to hear that. I'm not gonna yell at my players ever. 
And his uh, his running mate is Aaron Goldsmith. I don't even know who that is. I don't good for him. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can say. I also doesn't get that because he's not a James Bond guy because he's a loser. Yeah, I think he used to can't be. On ESPN. Early October, no time to die. Can't wait. We'll do a review. We'll do a movie review of. He's that. the play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Mariners. So that's who we got. He looks like the guy who does the weekend update on SNL, Colin Jost. He does. Wait till you that's see Colin Jost on your screen on 7 p.m. So he's a baseball announcer. So okay, so before we get into the X's and O's of today's game, I have a serious question for you guys. Um, two-parter here. So buckle in. One. What's with the woodshed talk? And two, are we calling it that? Or are you guys just going to put your foot in the ground? That's a historic thing. And yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm not. I will never call that stadium, Spartan Stadium, the woodshed in my life. I promise you that. Mel wants it to be Um, scary. And I have a great reason for it, but I'm curious your guys' thoughts first. I don't. I don't. This is um, a little history lesson. This is dating back towards. Mel Tucker uh, tweeted this. Old fashioned offensive line coach. It still doesn't. In the 90s, um, phrased it the woodshed because here we go. Golden Pat rule. He was an offensive line coach for a year or just at least in 1998, 1999. Coins, Stadium as the woodshed. We went 6 0, won the Citrus Bowl in 2000 there. That was Nick um, Saban. Nick Saban. Right. That was on I'm staff this year. So I'm on with that, but then like modern day, like they never call that under D'Antonio, right? This is like a Mel Tucker branding. This is uh, thing. called instilling your brand in the program. Oh, I want to puke just saying that. Correct. Instilling and your brand. Mel Tucker's a big like bring the alumni back, bring like past history forward. Big tweeter like, too. Like, He's always on Twitter. Like try to get like past traditions in there, and so now. You know, you're going to see it a lot and you're not going to stop seeing it solely because we're trying to strike, strike the stadium, trying to sell it out more than it was for the Youngstown game, um, night game. So that's why you're going to see the woodshed. I don't mind it. Whatever Mel Tucker does, he can, says he can At this do point, yeah. four shorts on the sideline for Miami. Good so point. if he you says, hey, that. we're calling this the woodshed now, I'm going to say yes, sir. Yeah. So here's I mean, my only. I'm cool with you guys calling it. I will never. Here's my gripe with. I don't it. know if I'm just gonna say the woodshed, but like if I oh, see you it, it's not gonna. You're bother. for sure you're gonna say that. So here's the thing. I don't know. It kind of feels weird. There could be a better name for it because like it's almost unfair to other people because there's a phrase that we've all heard playing sports where people say we take them out back to the woodshed or we took them to the woodshed. <laughs> like that's a phrase that's used in sports when you just beat someone up. Like that's you just, probably why it is you get right. Used. So you can't then take. A generic phrase that everyone growing up in football is saying, and like the woodshed actually in that phrase is our stadium. Well, that's the not, thing. Mel Tucker does what he wants. It's just he doesn't not, give a single F. It's just selfish. You can't do it. Like, think about this. You're just like, kind of jealous like, that yours is called the outhouse. No. Like when you say the big house, when you say the shoe, when you say the swamp. You now you're gonna say the shed. No. That would be better. No, 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 no. no don't want if it. you called it the shed, that'd be better. But like when someone says the woodshed, I'm going to think of the phrase, we took him out to the woodshed, which is like, yeah, which a, means no. you came to Spartan State no. and got your rocked. No, it's a, it's a generic, <laughs> it's a generic, it's a generic phrase that cannot be used as like a stadium. And also it will backfire if a team goes in there and wins. They're probably going right, to use that. Right. Like, well, because if your that, program like, was doing the same thing, you'd be like, yeah, this is sweet. But no. it's the program you don't like no, I, doing it. So you're like, I promise fine. you, if anyone told me like they're going to call themselves a witch, I would think of that phrase. Of, like that's dumb. That's, that's a okay. phrase. Honestly, Mel Tucker doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what I think. 
and he's going to do what he wants. Well, he and should. If this is what he wants his program to be and this is culture and brand and all that, I'm, I'm totally fine. Stop saying culture and brand. You're going to make me throw up. That stuff matters. You got to buy in. What really is he's nervous because I was doing some digging. Interesting history. I guess Nebraska played at Colorado and like 75% of the stadium was in red. So I think he's like, there's some bad blood there and he's like making sure that does not happen. It. Nebraska asked for 2,500 tickets and he said today they will not have another person over 2,500. And I saw a lot of Nebraska fans in the comments saying bet because I think, I guess Nebraska they, they fans travel. Like travel. They, they travel. They there's going to be more than 2,500 Nebraska fans. Michigan State fans, if they get a good offer, they're willing just to give uh, them it's, up. Because it's a night home. game. It's too late. I can't stay up for it. But I just want to clarify Losers, the Wichita thing. It's just weird. It's weird energy. I don't like it. And also, if it's a loss, then I think you have to get rid of the nickname instantly. I think that's fair. If Michigan State loses this football game, the woodshed is retired. Let me just tell you, on October 30th, the woodshed is going to be packed. Oh, my goodness. And the Wolverines are going to get nervous when they get trapped in the woodshed. Yeah, they've been so bad in the woodshed the past few years. Yeah. That was a different coach and a different program and a different culture and brand. Okay. Anyways, way closer spread than I would think. It actually makes me think that there's something crazy going on here. Open it um, three. So how college football works is like this is a all you can eat trap game for Michigan State. You just come off the biggest win of your coach's career, mm-hmm. but also it's not a look ahead game because Western Kentucky's next week. So it's they should be able to focus enough on Nebraska to get the job done. But it is a trap game. I want that on the record. This is a trap game for a program. You get a little too big for your britches. You start reading all the things. You're striving the stadium, calling yourselves the woodshed. I mean, you're talking about taking teams down to the deep water. Then you got Nebraska. When we talk about it, Nebraska, this is the thing with them. This is the key. We talked about desperation in sports. I hammer it home. They're, they're about as desperate as you can get. Now, but here's the thing. Are they broken already? Are they broken? Was their desperation oh. game the Oklahoma game? I kind of think it was. I think they laid out everything they could, all their physicality, everything they could do against Oklahoma because that was their desperation play. I don't know if they can get back up off the mat because college football, that loss was a demoralizing loss. Teams usually don't bounce up from the mat when you're already 0-3 against that. All right, aren't they? They played four games. One and two. They're two and two. They yeah, did. they beat Buffalo. They're two and two. They, they played the Buffalo first game, Florida. right? And so here's the thing that was breaking my brain. We talk about who beat who, how good is a team. Again, we really don't that know. Matter. No, it does because you got to figure it out. So here's the thing: they lost to Illinois. So I'm like, okay, Nebraska stinks. But then Illinois played Maryland tough, and I thought Maryland was supposed to be sticky. So I don't know about that. And then they played Oklahoma tough, but Oklahoma almost lost to Tulane. So I don't know who's good, who's what, what's up, what's down. I don't know what to think about Nebraska. It wouldn't surprise me if they kept it like within a touchdown most of the game because they could just hang around and Big Ten play always is kind of weird sometimes. But I don't think there's a lot of talent on that team. And I listen to my friends, uh, the host of Mint and Money, just rip on Adrian Martinez every week. So I guess I would like to think that if this Michigan State team is going to build momentum and they're as good as we think they are, they should roll in this game. So that would be my lean going into this game. They're going to roll. I would just like to say um, that transitive property stuff. You can go every year, basically, that you can get all the way to like a D3 school is capable of beating the national champion. I'm not saying that. You can get all the way down like some rabbit hole, like this team, this team, and but this else, team. You, everything the, is different. In, on every in early season, you need to compare like who's played That's who. That's fine. You can use it as a guide, but I don't think it's just going to be locked and loaded. 
the right. Did person. I say it was? I said nope, I. I said I'm I, just clarifying that I hate that. That's way of thinking. But I'm clarifying. I came out of that and said I have no idea what to think. So I didn't put any stock. That's it just. I, I know. I'm just telling you. I'm not right. willing to say Nebraska is bad, but I'm also not willing to say they're good. I don't know what to think about them. Yeah, I think their defense is good. That's where I start my preview. I think their defense is pretty solid. Um, they get to the quarterback. They're pretty athletic. They have decent recruiting classes. In your 247 composite recruiting class rankings, I'm sure they're pretty decent in there. Team talent. Team talent-wise, they're probably decent. Didn't matter last week. Miami was much higher than us, and we won, so it doesn't matter. Much higher? You guys aren't that low. We were like 40th, and they're 13. Is that much higher or no? I guess we're not 40th. 39th. I'm not looking it up. It takes forever to load. Okay. Well, they were 13th, and we were 39th. But I object. Uh, so their defense is all right. Adrian Martinez has been there for 14 years. Um, no, there was a Martinez there before him. No, I know that. But he started as a freshman. He's been there a while. He was good his freshman year. And then he's kind of just regressed every year since. Um, he's really good running the ball. However, throwing, he's very inaccurate. Um, I think Michigan State, the key will be Quavar's crouch again. Sideline to sideline speed is really helpful in a QB spy. Showed it against Derek King, who didn't do that much damage on the ground. I think King's better, so I'm not totally worried. I think Michigan State's offense will be fine. It's at home. It's a big recruiting weekend. It's at night. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super scared about it, but I think it'll be closer than a blowout. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I mean, I think Nebraska's going to more problems than Miami did. Um, Nebraska's playing better of late. Everybody's just looked at Nebraska like, oh, they lost to Illinois. Week zero, you know, not ready or whatever, but they played Oklahoma tough. Adrian Martinez, I think, uses his legs more than King did, and I think he will actually do it usefully. If King ran more of the ball with his legs against Michigan State, I think Miami would have been a closer matchup. Um, but I'm with Alex here. I Just a home game. Mel Tucker today asked the team, if they're satisfied and how does three and nine sound and they all like were shocked that he asked them that. Um, I do think they're going to get up for it. I think it's beneficial that we do get Western Kentucky in the next game. And it kind of sucks that Nebraska has to travel across country back and forth. You know, they had to go down to Oklahoma. I know it's not far, but they have two road games back to back only benefits us. Hopefully Spartan stadiums filled. I just like Michigan state to at least cover the spread here. I'll be by two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, might as well give your prediction then. Unless you got more to add. Hit us with it. Mean, I think we're, we're too balanced here, and I don't know if Nebraska will be able to keep up with us. We'll finally get a home game that matters. We got Youngstown State. I mean, tailgating all day is going to be electric, so let's see what happens. I'm stunned you guys are this nervous about this game. We, we're not I, I'm not nervous. nervous. It's just a Big Ten game. It's, just, it's like the Northwestern game. You never Must win major. This is like – Pretty high. If I was a fan of your guys' team, I would be having everyone that listens to the show drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, this is going to be a drubbing. I don't want to overreact to the Miami win. I, I'm trying to be an unbiased college football reporter. I don't want to overreact to them beating Miami. Nebraska is not Youngstown State. It'll be closer than you think. 31-17. I... I'm just going back to the old reliable. Hmm. I like 34-24. Oof, that's too close for my liking. It's I don't want to see him in the 20s. 10 points, bro. Um, I am 
prices riding Alex 30 to 17. Mm. Mm. <laughs> they gave up 23 to Oklahoma, but then over 30 to Illinois. So I split the difference there. And then they haven't scored much more than like 20 points in any of the teams they've played that are good. So 17. And I also agree with Evan. They'll have no issue getting off of this game. But if they broke 20, I wouldn't be surprised because that leads me into this kind of, as we kind of wrap it up before the Lions preview, is like things we're, we know and we don't know about these two teams. I think I know that I'm not afraid of Michigan State's defense really through three games. I feel like I'm comfortable saying I know that. Like I'm, I, and I know that I'm af- more afraid and afraid of their offense, like in a matchup against them. So if I said I know the unit of the offense is better. That would be one thing I would say. So that would be like, okay, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska scored more points than I thought going into the game. Are we doing our what I knows right now? I just did one, yeah. Do you want me to give one? Yeah, bounce around. What I know is that Michigan State's pass defense scares me so far. The run defense doesn't, and the offense I know is balanced, and that is a nice change of pace. Why does the run defense not scare you? They only gave up 52 yards rushing to Miami, and Northwestern couldn't run the ball either. So I I don't think – I think teams are just going to try to throw on us the whole game, so we're not even going to have to really see a run game, which could hurt us down the stretch. But I'm not worried about Michigan State stopping the run. I think the, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback or the D-line, but they are good run stoppers, and our linebackers are, are solid up against the run, and we tackle well. All right, you answered it. Yeah, fundamentally sound. I'm saying with Alex, what we do know, we have a Heisman candidate running back. Um, our athletes, our duo wide receivers are top in the Big Ten. Um, Secondary is improving. What's top? Yeah, Grant hates specific. He said that. No, he I hates don't. every time I say it. No, I think there's a there's a there's a top tier that like I'm thinking top three. To say like best, I'd be like, whoa. I'm talking about as duos, not as individuals. Our duos are top three in the Big Ten. Fine. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. But again, I haven't watched um, like any a ton of teams. I can't say, uh, name another duo other than Ohio State. And Penn State. Ohio State is just better. Penn, I mean, State's, Penn State's got one guy, in my opinion. No, they so. have a guy number three. He's really he's, good. He's okay. Did I say? Never heard of him. Sure. You said Yeah, I did. Yeah. He's, he's really He's really <laughs> He's um, fast. That's Defensively, like Alex said, we'll be able to stop the run. I think just because of the experience on the defensive line. Wait, um, so you're saying you know this for the whole season? Like you guys are going to? Like I'm saying we know this. Like firmly, I'm very confident flat. saying we can stop the run all year. Yeah. Yes. When that when there that, will be one team, there will be one team that will be someone's like, going to oh run gosh, the when that's against like Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Like, what are we talking? Team rush yards given up? You think like they're going to hold? them under 100 under, under 150 really good so but when you say stop the run that's what my brain goes to like we're going to stop the run yeah i think we'll force teams to throw the ball yes because they will struggle to run definitely they will struggle to run between the tackles and honestly they'll struggle to run sideline to sideline because crouch runs like a 4-4 and he can just get there we and just you, have fast and you know this yes all right i watched it i've watched it three games in a row okay and we always stop the run. I disagree. That's I don't. Fine. I don't know it yet. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I would not be comfortable enough to say I know that's the case. I just know that based on the past and what I've seen so far. It's just like the one thing Michigan State like you can rely on pretty safely. 
even last year. They weren't great at it, but they weren't bad at it. And they sucked. They had no talent. Mm-hmm. I know, comfortable saying two three games, Michigan and Michigan State both have good running backs. I know that. I know that too. Yeah. I don't know. We have an elite safety. I know that. I do not know if either of these teams are top 15 in the country good. I still don't. I have no idea. I know that I don't know. I don't know if Cade McNamara is good yet. I don't know that. I don't. I have not seen enough. I I agree, I agree with that. Past the game. Also can agree with he's been – both have showed flashes. I would put the same in for Thorne because I – so this overarching thing is I deep down think – I'm not going to say I know because I'm not 100% sure. I think we're going to look back and be like, wow, Washington and Miami stink. Yeah. I'm pretty confident by the end of the year, those teams are going – like Manny Diaz will be ran out of there and they're going to be looking at Jimmy Lake like, dude, this guy stinks. I don't think either of those teams are good. So then my brain is broken still where I don't know anything going into Big Ten play, really. What I know is Miami returned 91% of their starters from an 8-3 and three team last year. Right. And it also, can't be that it worked against you because Evan dropped that stat last show that I thought of this week is that they didn't beat like a team over 500 last year. Right. I think well they did they beat one. I think Miami Washington are terrible. I think Washington's worse. But yeah, I mean there's definitely a bunch of question marks. Just we're Q1. Of course it's Q1. Marks. That's why I was stunned when you were saying so many things. Like I'm not willing to say that many things. I I know way less than I think I know. All I said was I know that I Michigan State probably will stop the run and make teams throw. I'm not even comfortable saying Based on what I've seen in the past, like I don't know if Hutchinson is going to be as disruptive in bigger games. I don't know yet. I still do not know. Agreed. I I know he has looked good in the game so I far, that. but I don't know. He might. I think. I he- know for a guaranteed fact, Michigan State is a lot better this year than they were last year, and I think I can say the same about Michigan. I know that. That's true. Both teams are better. Yes. And I know that Michigan State will make a bowl game. Even though their projected Vegas win total was four. Yeah. Now, it would be really devastating to go three and nine. Should have hammered it. I think my biggest takeaway is I don't know a lot still. That's why I'm looking forward to Rutgers because at least I can compare it against against something maybe. I know that Michigan State's offense is better than last couple years. I'm pretty confident saying that. And if you watch Michigan State games and you were a fan – you would have no issue saying that as well because it's been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. To, to end it out, I just want to look at some things today um, when I was doing looking at the spreads for the notes. Big 10 future odds. If you had a guess right now, um, I'm not going to do it by like odds, odds, but, but like where they finish in the top you know, rankings. So Michigan, Michigan State, where would you place them if you like would – you're guessing what Vegas would put. Where would they be most likely to win the Big Ten? Michigan's first. Michigan State is probably like sixth. You think Michigan's Michigan? Not first. You think Michigan right now in odds books is the favorite to win the Big Ten? Michigan is fourth. Michigan State is. I'll say Michigan sixth. Michigan two and Michigan State six. Michigan no, is four. Michigan's fifth. Michigan State is sixth. I saw one today that said Michigan has 55% chance to win the Big Ten. Do you want to guess the four teams ahead of our teams? Bucknuts, Hawkeyes. Iowa, Ohio State, 
Penn State. Penn State. I'm missing one. Wisconsin. I had four earlier. Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin's above Michigan. Yep. Yeah, see, yeah. As they should be. They own, our pro- they own our program until further notice. Um, Michigan. We'll find out on October 3rd. Did you know the FBI has Michigan favored in the rest of their games? FBI or FPI? P-I. Female body the, inspectors. The like, computer. The, the ESPN computer. Yeah, Alex does this thing, a little background. He loves to like try to get me riled up. He, before the show, Evan, he said he was going to come on here and say the nicest things about Michigan. I haven't said He lied. He hasn't done that at all. I haven't the, said any bad things about them. Yeah, but before this podcast, you told me you thought they were going 12-0. Th- and 0. They could. He told me that, Evan. They're not going 12-0. That's I, what I told him. I think they'll be undefeated when they play Michigan State. And probably you told Michigan. me you think this is the year they beat Ohio State and go twelve and zero, and then yep. you said thirteen and zero, which implies that they win fifteen and zero actually national title. But like he just does this dumb stuff. I- I'll tell you right now, I don't care about FPI. We're not in the BCS. I don't care about any of those stats. I just care about being Rutgers. Just thought it was interesting. It's not. Plus, so for the sweaty odds people, Michigan's odds are plus one thousand. Michigan State's odds are plus four thousand. So what did this difference there? Eh, it's not that big once you get into those ranges. Now, more interesting, national title odds. Where would you put Michigan and where would you put Michigan State? Where would you guess they were at in the FanDuel Sportsbook? Michigan, like, you have the specific number of teams in front of them? Yep. Uh, I'll put Michigan 15th and I'll put Michigan State 25th. Right around there. Michigan's probably 13th, 14th. And Michigan State's probably 22, somewhere around there. Michigan is 8th, and Michigan State is 20th. Michigan's higher than I thought. I thought, quite frankly, I thought both teams were higher. I was like, wow, maybe like you can look at AP. Don't worry about the AP. Worry about what Vegas is putting you guys at, because that's just more like, hey. But then again, well, we're 20 in the AP, and they put us 20th. True. I guess that makes sense. Um, so right now, for those, Michigan's odds are plus 5,000, and then Michigan State's are 15,000. I can safely say I wouldn't, a dollar on it. wouldn't sprinkle, sprinkle a, a single on dollar on either. Agreed. Okay. Now to close the show out, Lions, Ravens. It, this, it Turn was, off your TV. It was minus nine. That's probably higher. Um, I'll be minus 17. It's one. Maybe 30. Now, the only Maybe thing. the highest spread of all time. Honestly, the only interesting <laughs> note is that it's on CBS uh, at 1 p.m. I don't Great have. teams get to pick. I don't really have anything to say, to be honest with you guys. I mean, like the like the 49ers, this is just going to be a running bloodbath. It's going to be. And. Uh, it's going to be bad. I. I think their defense is solid, so I don't think we'll score as much as we get against the Niners. So I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I really don't even want to preview it. I'd just like to go to predictions if that's cool with you guys. But if you guys have any thoughts, let us know. 38-10. I think we'll score a little bit more, Alex. Um, I really don't. 45-28. to 28. I don't think we're scoring 28. Why? Because our offense isn't that good, and the Ravens' defense is pretty solid. Patrick Mahomes scored 35, and you think we're going to score 28? Yeah, they fumbled. You don't think we're going to have a turnover? Hey, dude, the home crowd, man, dude. Defended man. Seven Five people. Nation, like, stand up in Ford Field. Uh, Maybe they'll take the starters out, and that's why we'll get that many goals. 45 to 17. Yeah. I'm more aligned with that. The only thing that stops them from I dropping. I feel like 45 is a lot, though. It's not. 
just because they're going to run the ball and the clock's going to run. It's basically going to be like a running clock in an AAU, AAU tournament where you're down 40 points. That's how it's going to feel. 49ers do, you think the, do you think the Chiefs have a better defense than us? Yeah. Okay. But but not by a lot. Their defense is pretty bad. I would take every single player on their defense probably like over any of ours. Agreed. Yeah. But we have the worst defense in the NFL. 45. We're the worst team in the NFL. The only thing that's going to stop a 50-burger is the fact that they run so much. They would easily hit 50. <laughs> right. We'll see. Either way, we all said basically that – well, I haven't said they'd lose by 14. You know what? If you're at this game, you're watching on TV, 17. just enjoy Lamar Jackson and the wizardry he'll have breaking tackles. Just enjoy it. You well, know, not tackling a soul. Tricks your brain into thinking that while it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see him carve up this team in Ford Field. Start some Ravens players on your fantasy team. Yeah. Even if you want to drop Mark Andrews after some lower weeks, he's going to be good this week, so enjoy it. Start DeAndre Swift in a PPR. He might catch 30 passes for five yards. <laughs> All right, at Shot of MS for all the social accounts, Shot of Michigan Sports for the TikTok account. How to listen to this show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Subscribe, like, review, follow, whatever the button tells you. Reviews would be huge. Subscriptions would be huge. Um, downloads even. Share the link with a friend. Any questions you want answered, please submit. We had a question. We, uh, we did have a question. I think Michigan State will finish 8-4. and four. I think Michigan State will finish nine and three. Uh, I think Michigan State will finish. I also didn't put any thought into that. Nine and three. Yeah, I don't even really know who's. So Jason, left. I'm sorry, I didn't. Take I just know the schedules. Season. The schedules backloaded. And are we winning the national championship? Yes. No. Is that what you want to hear? Yes, we'll win. We'll be fifteen and <laughs> up. Um, no. So yeah, any questions you want answered? We will sneak them in, even if it's at the last last second. With no thought. Um, you kind of noticed. Also on Apple, you can't subscribe anymore. You follow now. Yeah, follow that. And do automatic downloads and send it with a friend for the love of... All right. Stay tuned on social accounts for the must-win index graphic. God, I can't wait for that. Should be sweet, I hope. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> All right. Cheers to episode 38. And two. Did we give our must win meter on Michigan State, Nebraska? Grant's must win meter index, Michigan State. I would put this in the. Uh, I don't think it's a must win because I could see Michigan State losing this one, but then winning a game you don't expect them to win later. I think it's middle of the meter. That's what it's I must win. It's going to be pretty embarrassing if they lose. I mean, I'll, I will probably make a jab, but because Scott Frost stinks and he's the joke of college football right now, most overrated coach in the get- country. Just win the game. Don't care how you do it. Just win the game. <laughs> to uh, Big Ten football play starting. Well, thank you. Cheers to uh, the, the guy on Twitter, Twitter, man. That miserable guy on Twitter. Cheers to that guy. <laughs> I, I hope he hears this. Yeah. I mean, you can go yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Self-belief. <laughs> <laughs>